Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Monday morning to each and every one of you. We welcome you to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 to 12 P. Eastern Time. Many of you already on YouTube. You can find us here. Chatterbox Sports page from our Chatterbox Studios right here in downtown rainy, cloudy Hamilton, Ohio. Uh, if you'd prefer to join us in podcast form, by all means, search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. We got lots to cover today, boys. Good morning. Everybody have a good weekend. Casey, Paul, Jacob, Elliot. Great weekend, Tom. Doing great. Tom, happy Father's Day. Thank you. Had a great weekend. Baseball was great. The Reds kept winning. Watched a little U.S. Open. Enjoyed the Father's Day yesterday with my dad. It was a good, good weekend. Very nice. Casey, did you see your dad yesterday? Although your bride injured yesterday. Yeah, um, I, I saw my dad on Saturday. Okay. We hung out on Saturday. We went to Diggs Sports Bar and Grill. Yep. And we played some sand volleyball. Hung nice. out there, and then. Sunday morning, we had dinner with her family. Or not dinner, breakfast with her family. Okay. So hung out with that side on Sunday. But then your bride hurt her knee. Yes. Yeah, she, um, we don't know how severe it is yet, but she had a non-contact injury to her knee, and it's super swollen right now, super painful. So. Well, we hope and pray she's all right. Yes, that's what I was just about to say. Thoughts and prayers, please. Amen. Amen. We wound up on the Little Miami yesterday, a little kayaking. Ooh. Surprise for uh, Father's Day. What did Luke get you? Uh, just the most beautiful card you could ever ask for. That's perfect. I mean, it was fantastic. We were out on the Little Miami. Great day to be out there. Kayaking. A couple hours. Getting after it. Nice little dinner at home. Doesn't get any better than that. Wish every day could be like that. Uh, all right, here we go. A week ago, Friday, the Reds embarked on a three-city, nine-game road trip. And that was following a shutout loss to Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers on a Thursday afternoon. It was a series win over the mighty Dodgers, but 10 days on the road, you're thinking a pretty tall order. The Reds lost the first game of the trip to the Cardinals, a dismal team, but a bitter rival nonetheless. Well, guess what? The Reds haven't lost since. Your Cincinnati Reds are the single hottest team in Major League Baseball. They've won a league-best eight consecutive games after finishing off a weekend sweep uh, sweep of the Astros. I got to tell you, uh, I am not impressed with the Astros at all. What's there to be impressed about with the Astros? I mean, their pitching stinks, right? They got a bunch of guys injured. Bregman had a good game yesterday. He's hitting 230. Altuve's missed a whole year. He's batting 220. Um, and believe, I'm not diminishing anything the Reds did. You got to go in there and they're the defending world champions. But for anybody to look at that team and even say that's a playoff team, they stink. The Astros. <laughs> that was the first time that they'd ever been swept this year. Again, I'm not saying that before this series, whatever they've done to accumulate their record. But anybody that watched that Houston team this weekend, that is not a playoff team. Now, they might be when we get a little later in the year. They get some guys healthy. But I wondered the whole weekend watching, what's happened to Bregman? Yeah. He had a good game yesterday. Had a couple hits, knocked in a couple runs. But 
He, I mean, this guy two or three years ago was one of the top players in the league. He gets this long-term contract, and I, anyway, it doesn't matter. We're talking about the Reds. Now, look, there are skeptics out there. I'm one of them who say, you know, Tom, it's a Cardinals, the Royals, and the beat-up Astros. So what? Hey, look, you don't pick who you play or when you play them. And right now, nobody wants to play the Cincinnati Reds. We asked Friday, you remember, if this was, Paul Fritchner, the start of something big. We won't know for sure until sometime down the road. But right now, this team's rolling. You know, you start on Friday night. It was a third straight time that it's the Andrew Abbott show. The Reds rookie left-hander wrapped up his third scoreless outing to begin his major league career. 2-1 win. Abbott is the first pitcher since the late 1800s to make three starts going at least five innings without allowing a single run to start a career. He also set a franchise record, scoreless innings streak to start a career, passing Wayne Simpson, who set that record back in 1970. Then on Saturday, Jonathan India, two-run home run. Will Benson had three hits, knocked in a couple, 10-3 route. Hunter Green, his fourth straight excellent start. Six innings of two-run baseball to get his second win of the year. And then comes yesterday, and you're thinking, all right, let's be honest. Maybe a little bit of a letdown here. Houston jumps in front. Defense a little shaky. Pitching one very good. But then came the Cincinnati sixth. Trailing 5-2, to two, Jake Fraley just off the I.L. Knocked in a run. Spencer Steer ties the game with a two-run home run in the eighth. India gives him with a lead with another home run, but the Astros would tie it up. You didn't have Alexis Diaz available. But then in the 10th, the Reds get three runs and win it 9-7. to seven. So here we are. Eight in a row. Tonight, the Reds return home to take on the lowly Colorado Rockies. First of a three-game series, and the big story here besides the Reds' winning streak is Joey Votto back tonight. He's been all over social media. And I know you guys are all over social media. The big bus driver, right? Bus is on its way back. It is parked in Cincinnati. Is Votto back? I mean, he's back in town after his second rehab stint in Louisville. He has not played in the big leagues since mid-August of last year, as you know, undergoing a pair of surgeries, one to his shoulder, the other to his biceps. And while the numbers are not great, the second stint in Louisville, he is walking more, striking out less. He said a couple of home runs here. So, you know, you made an interesting point, and Thomas is not with us yet, right? No. Okay, we're going to have uh, Thomas Harding. He covers the Rockies for MLB.com. He'll be joining us in a matter of minutes. But, you know, we, we were sitting here. We're going to talk more uh, in depth uh, about what are the Reds going to do if indeed they activate Votto. If you activate him, somebody's got to go. Somebody's got to go. The Reds are 37-35. and 35. They're a half game behind Milwaukee for first in the NL Central. The Brewers tonight begin a series at home against Red Hot, Western Division leading Arizona. All right. First of all, you were saying, Jacob, you were wondering, is Votto going to come off the injured list for sure today? You said maybe not wait. I would hold off till Wednesday. I mean, Votto's struggled. We have left-handed pitching tonight and tomorrow night. Votto's struggled against left-handed pitching for what feels like five years now. So 
I don't know why you'd rush him into the lineup right now coming off a rehab stint where, I mean, like you alluded to, he hasn't been phenomenal. He's improved drastically over his first rehab stint. I think he belongs with the Reds. I don't think rushing him into the lineup against two left-handed pitchers is a smart move. I think holding off for a right-handed matchup, you know, let him just ease on into it. Don't put him in a tough matchup for himself. Yeah, I, I, if, I, if I'm the Reds, I do not bring up Joey Votto at this moment. I think given how hot, given how hot the team is, I am, I, am a, I am a superstitious guy. So kind of throwing him in on an eight-game win streak, I do feel kind of weird about. I think he could. I, and again, it's not, it's not any knock on Joey Votto. I just, as of right now, on an eight-game win streak, it would be hard for me to say, oh, yeah, Joey's playing first tonight with how well the Reds have played without Joey so far this season. What are your thoughts, fellas? Yeah, I I'm gonna be a little surprised. I think if he's on the if he's in the lineup card today, just because of how everything was going this past week, the the winning streak, everything else. I, to to echo those guys' points, I, I don't know if I really believe that he's gonna be on the active roster today. I kind of get the sense that maybe they're gonna try and figure out what to do with him this week. But then again. Maybe it's 1 o'clock and we've seen a transaction thing and then we got to decide who goes down. We will get to that shortly. Uh, I am not buying for a sliver of a second. I am not buying anybody out there who asks the question. And look, you're entitled to ask the question. I think it's a fair question. But anybody who thinks that Votto coming up here might disrupt what the Reds have going on, in my opinion, is nonsense. Votto is a team guy. He cares about his teammates. He likes working with young players. He understands the situation. I mean, come on. He's almost 40 years old. He's a grown man. He gets what's going on here. He's having a lot of fun with it on social media, right? He's having a lot of fun. So to think he's going to come up here, you got to remember, these guys who are on this team, granted a lot of them have come from other teams in trades, right? Most of them, in fact, have come from trades. Not all, but some. They've grown up idolizing Joey Votto. Do you think for a second that they're going to look around the room and see Votto walking around in a clubhouse and think, oh, man, this guy, he's not going to do this. He is going to be fine. Casey, would you like to see him back tonight or wait a day or two? Ooh. Um, I'm, so I've always been in the camp that <laughs> I don't think it's worth losing a, a batting spot to bring Votto up. But um, if they're going to do it, I think it, it should be today. I don't know who I would pick. I mean, are we are we all in the camp that he should probably DH if he does come back? Well, I mean, I think that there's going to be. It's all going to depend on kind of some other variables in the mix. You know, who's on the mound for the opposing team. They definitely want to get Votto in the field a little bit. Joey's an okay defender. He's not a great defender, but he's not a bad defender. And Steer's been serviceable, but he hasn't been right. an amazing defensive first baseman. So I don't think we lose a whole lot by putting Votto at actual first base instead of DH, but... I mean, Elliot said it best. Why, why, I mean, why would you mess with a lineup for 28 straight games? Although, you know, um, Jeff Lawson, uh, who I've not seen in the chat before, but Jeff, welcome. If you've been here before, forgive me. Um, he says, how is uh, bringing Votto up losing a batting spot? I, I think the question is, that Casey's talking about, I don't want to speak for you, Casey, but I mean, I think what you're looking at here is when you start examining, and we are going to examine in great detail, who's going to go? 
But when you start looking at, at the guys that are playing right now, I think the point here is, is that you've got a lot of guys and the three primary guys who come up when you're talking about making the move, or, or not necessarily guys. Let's say you have Fairchild, you have Kevin Newman, you have one of the catchers, although keep in mind now, okay, Casale and Maley cannot be sent down. If you send them down, somebody else can pick them up. They've been in the big leagues longer than five years out of options. At least that's my understanding of this situation. Okay, so that would leave naturally then. You're not going to send Stevenson out. Senzel? Well, you get to Senzel, you get to Fairchild, you get to Newman. Because, you know, unfortunately, the smart move would be, and the logical move would be, is you send out a pitcher. You don't need a 13th pitcher. But on this team, you do need a 13th pitcher because they only have two starters that are giving you any innings right now. In green, he went six over the weekend. And Abbott is pitching into the sixth and not the seventh in all three of his starts. But outside of that, you know, Lively will stay in there and chew up some innings on a game where maybe he gives up some runs. Uh, Weaver, he's not going more than four or five. So, you know, until they figure out what they're going to do. But, but they, so they can't. I mean, we've just seen this weekend. You know, they're using so much of that bullpen uh, that there are guys that are just unavailable. You didn't have Diaz yesterday available, right? You're trying to close out games with guys that, I mean, they got the job done, but you'd rather have Diaz in there. So, you know, but, but, but the point I was, I was making is, is that you've got some of these other guys that right now, are swinging the bat. Look, a lot of you have bad-mouthed Kevin Newman on this show. Kevin Newman's having a damn good year for this team. I mean, seriously, I don't think the Reds are two games over 500 without Kevin Newman on this team. You agree? I agree. I think in last year we had, the last couple of years we've had Kyle Farmer, and I think Kyle Farmer's played uh, the same similar role. They, they're going to hit 270. They're going to get on base about 330. Kevin Newman has played that phenomenally. His defense has has improved as we've gone on. Yep. I, I think Kevin Newman offers a lot to this team, especially versatility around the infield. He also destroys left-handed pitching. He yep. does destroy left-handed pitching. Seems like he gets on base every time there's a lefty on the mound. It's and, I, and I think Jacob said it before the show, Kevin Newman does offer something at the deadline. I don't know what that something is, but if, if the Reds continue this hot streak, Kevin Newman could be a piece you move to a team that needs a utility guy. I, Kevin Newman offers more to me than Senzel or Fairchild, who are my two names that would get sent down. I got to tell you, if and we don't know, uh, we have Tom yet or no? No, we do not. Okay, I, I, you know, look, I said on this show last week that it's time now to change your expectations and the Reds are going to be a disappointment. You may not look at it at the end of the year because it would mean you've made significant strides from last year to this year but now as we sit here and I said it over a week ago now as we sit here this team should make the playoffs they should make the playoffs this is a talented roster and only getting more talented literally by the day think about your talent level okay we don't know what Votto's gonna bring everybody's hoping it's gonna be a nice story but we don't know okay he doesn't know but Will Myers is still a pretty decent player. He just got off to a bad start here. He has had a really good career. Will Myers 
would have a chance to help you win games. Encarnacion Strand, when they bring him up, that is going to, again, significantly increase the level of your talent. Okay? So, why am I saying all this? I'm not trading Kevin Newman. Because I don't think you're going to get enough value in return that makes an impact on your roster this year, unless it's packaged up, you know, with an Encarnacion strand, which I wouldn't want to do, but or one of your lower, highly thought of minor leaguers. If Newman's got to be thrown in there to kind of justify the trade for whoever it is, okay, then you do it, of course. But I got to tell you, if you're planning on winning and knowing all the different positions that this guy can play, I'm not shipping Newman out of town. I, I agree. Unless the value you're getting back for Kevin Newman is better to this team right now than Kevin Newman hitting left-handed pitching a 300-plus clip and playing a good shortstop, second base, first base, third base. like He has a role on this team that's yes. crucial to winning right now, and especially down the stretch when injuries are inevitable to happen. He can play everywhere in the infield, and he hits well. So, I don't know. I, mean, it's, I just think the guy's a ball player. I think he's a gamer. And, I mean, you ask him to do anything, go anywhere in a day and age where we wonder, well, would this guy move, would that guy move, blah, 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 blah. The guy, he just seems to be clutch to me. Is that a fair assessment? I agree. If we're serious about making a push down the stretch, keeping a guy like Kevin Newman is exactly what, you know, a team like that needs. I would agree. I, and, again, I don't want to trade Kevin Newman, but Kevin Newman has been playing better than some of the other guys on this roster which gives him value to us, and it gives him value at the deadline. I'm not saying trade him, yep. but I'm saying it does offer that value compared to Stuart Fairchild and Nick Senzel, who have been, who respectfully, have not been very good. Elliot, you have a lot of respect for a lot of guys. I, just, I, I do. I just of, want to make it clear, you're yeah. a stand-up individual. Yeah, I do. I, you know, I, a lot of these guys, you know, they don't play very well, but doesn't mean I can't respect them. I respect them a lot. Nick Senzel, I believe, two for his last 25. Respectfully. I, respectfully. I don't want to say that. I have to say that. Stuart Fairchild hits 200 against righties. I don't want to say that. I have to say that. <laughs> Kevin Newman's better than both of them defensively and offensively. As well. I mean, Newman's not going to win any awards for being no. some great defender. No. I don't think anybody's arguing He's, that. No. He's Kyle Farmer. He does his job, and he does it well. He does, it, he, he does what you want him to do. I was looking up something here a second ago. I thought I had it up. I don't. But I'll get to it before we start really breaking down about who's going to stay and who's going to go as we're continuing to work on um, Thomas Harding. Is it a technical issue with us, you think, uh, Case? Uh, I I wouldn't know. I, if he's at an airport, I don't know if it's – Oh, is that where he is? I don't know. I don't know. But he got the link. Has he tried to sign in? Yeah. Yeah. He said to me – Maybe you can't see. He says, I can see the video, but nothing else. I sent him an email. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, all right. Let, let's get to a few other things here, and then we'll hopefully circle back to Thomas Harding in a minute. Did you see this story in Atlanta yesterday? If you ever wonder about professional sports being a feel-good, warm and cozy and fuzzy kind of a story and, a, and, and, and an endeavor no. The Braves released Charlie Culberson on Father's Day. Okay. He wouldn't be the first, but here's a kicker. 
The Braves released him on a day when his father was scheduled to throw out the first pitch before the game in Atlanta. Think about that for a minute. Okay, now Culberson, since being activated off the injured list, has not played. All right? But they bring up another catcher, which is, I believe, their third catcher, on a day when they just could have waited. They could have waited until after the game to make the move. But they don't. Adios. Culberson's a Georgia native. Can you think of, now, I mean, I'm being really, I don't want to overplay this, but who in their right mind makes this move? Now, maybe there's something I don't know about it. But this isn't something that could have been done three hours later after the guy's dad. I mean, think of what that would mean to some Ohio kid. Let's put it right, local terms. Let's say some guy's, Ronnie Oster is playing for the Reds. He grew up in Cincinnati. Kyle Schwarber. Kyle, well, he never played for the Reds. <laughs> but I'm saying, let's just say here, you know, Ronnie Oster. He, he comes to mind. They're bitters, sure. right? But his dad scheduled to throw out the first pitch of a team he grew up rooting for, right? And you release Ronnie Oster the day his dad's supposed to throw out the first pitch on Father's Day. Am I missing something here? And then Michael Harris's dad was the one who ended up throwing the first pitch. So they got another dad to go in there and replace him. Not only did he get cut and his dad got uh, removed off the first pitch mound, he then got replaced by one of the other dads on the team. A tough scene all around for the Culberson family on Father's Day. I mean, that, that, that really is tough news. Uh, college baseball. The UC Bearcats have a new skipper. Less than a month after the resignation of Scott Guggins, Former Central Michigan head coach Jordan Bischel will take over the program. He has taken the Chippewas out of the Mid-American Conference to three NCAA tournaments in his five years as head coach. Speaking of college baseball, TCU knocks out Virginia yesterday in the College World Series. Florida is the only team in the College World Series to play two games and win a boat. So that means the Gators are in the semifinals. Two elimination games tonight, and, and really... Uh, this is must-see TV if you're a college baseball fan because you've got some of the biggest names and the biggest programs that are facing an elimination game tonight. You've got Stanford taking on Tennessee, and then you have number one Wake Forest taking on number five LSU. LSU this year has been ranked number one. Yeah, LSU's fine. I don't know how many people we have that are listeners that are college baseball fans, but if you are and you've watched Paul Skeens pitch this year and you saw what Paul Skeens did the other night, I mean, that is a performance that will go down uh, in the history of college baseball and a college World Series, what Skeens did the other night in Omaha. Um, yeah, this LSU team is a lot of fun to watch, but so is Wake Forest, and one of them's going home. One of them is not going to play after tonight, so it uh, it should be a fun one out there. Well, TCU's the other team. It should be 2-0, but they're not. They uh, they blew oh, no. the game in the ninth inning against uh, Oral Roberts, and Oral Roberts lost a tough one to Florida yesterday. Uh, so the Gators, on they go. And, and, and look, you're getting down to elimination games now. When they get – I'm curious, Paul, or anybody knows the answer to this question. I was looking at, at, at sort of the schedule of that whole thing. Potentially, you know, 
game five winner against game nine winner, you know, this against the whole nine yards. Yeah. And then it said at, at the very end when you get to the finals, the two teams, do you start all over where nobody has a loss and it's a best out of three? It's just a two out of three. So you know how the regional – But if we- you've lost already, it doesn't count. No, so it's basically – you know how the regional format works? The regional weekend where there's four teams and it's a double elimination. Right. And then they go to super regionals where it's a two out of three. That's how the College World Series works. There's two four-team brackets that plays a double elimination. The winners out of that play in the final, which is a two out of three. Okay. So Florida could go undefeated to get to the final, but once they get there, they're going to play another team that has already one loss, but you wipe the slate. It doesn't matter. It's two out of three. It's a two out of three. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It basically goes regional, super regional, and then the College World Series, it basically goes regional, super regional. Okay. All right. Um, Thank you. In golf. Yes. Colorado native Wyndham Clark, who had never finished higher than 75th place in a major, held off some of the game's very best to win yesterday's United States Open. He beat Rory McIlroy by one stroke, Scott Scheffler by three, Cameron Smith by four, for his second win in a month on the PGA Tour. Is this guy the next big star in the sport? Now, for McIlroy... And there are a lot of Rory McIlroy fans out there, understandably so. Clark had bogey, bogey coming down the stretch. McIlroy had a chance, but couldn't do better than par over his last five holes. And McIlroy has now gone nine years without winning a major tournament. Last time McElroy won a major was at Royal Liverpool, which is where the Open Championship is this year in a few weeks out uh, across the pond. But this, I'm going to say it, this U.S. Open sucked. It was awful. Why? The course was not good. Sorry, L.A. Country Club. Not, not that it wasn't in great condition. It was, I mean, that drive that Wyndham Clark had on 18 – he missed it so far right, but he did it on purpose because he knew he could hit it into the opposite fairway and then just pitch it onto the green. Yep. And it, for an easy, not, well, I'm going to say easy par to win the U.S. Open, but relatively easy for a professional. You get a fairway shot from the incoming fairway. Yep. The fans, so LA Country Club, we know how exclusive it is. The fans, you could only buy so many tickets because LA Country Club had bought up an allotment of the tickets. Yeah, that, to the public. that's a separate it story felt, in and of itself. It felt like a like the John Deere Classic or something. You know, it felt like some random tournament in you know the middle of May or something somewhere. It did not feel like a major. And then at the very, very end, the the best atmosphere that we got was when the crowd all stormed around the green for the most important putt of this guy's life. So it's been a dead atmosphere for 71 holes. And then the guy walks on to the Wyndham Clark walks on to the 72nd green as a 60 foot putt to win his first major. And he got the whole crowd storming the green, which is what should happen yeah. in a major. I mean, it, you know, that's, that's generally what the crowd looks like. I don't know. I, I did love being able to watch golf at nine thirty Eastern time. That was awesome. That, that was, was awesome. So I'm not complaining about that, but maybe I'm, Maybe I'm off base, but this just did not feel like a major. Well, I mean, when you look at that 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 story, the whole ticket thing, and our son Luke pointed it out to me. I mean, people are ripping the USGA up one side and down the other, right? Whether you're talking about the course, 
the very first day for the first time since 1973, you have two players shoot 62 in a round, right? They almost had another player do it yesterday when Fleetwood missed on his final putt from about seven feet, or he would have shot a 62, wound up with a 63. Now, in fairness, you have those guys do that the first day. They basically played par golf the rest of the way. Yep. So, you know, look, it, it, after the first round, I think the course – from the way they set it up in a U.S. Open, and they do the same for a PGA Championship, it played the way you thought it would. But this ticket thing, um, oh yeah, I mean, what, 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 what I did, did now? I mean, Luke may have, maybe I misheard something like twenty-two thousand tickets, right? But fifteen of the twenty-two, something like that, went strictly to corporate. Yeah, where he had very few wow. just regular fans that could walk up and buy a ticket. Am I right on that? Correct. Something like I that. I don't know if it's 15, but I know a, a significant amount of the tickets were, were reserved for, for elite members of whatever. Corporate uh, stuff. Corporate stuff. So, yes, that's, that's, a, that's true. It felt like the Super Bowl, where the Super Bowl has become completely a corporate event, right? You go to a Super Bowl, you have pockets of fans of the teams here and there, but the Super Bowl is a corporate event. Now you get here to the U.S. Open, which golf in and of itself, you know, you can walk around. There's a lot more fans there yep. than you can be at any other event because the grounds of the of the tournament are so big. But I mean, you would see different pockets of the course that you couldn't even you couldn't even get to as a fan because the greens and the pathways and the fairways were uncrossable, and you you couldn't even get over there. So it just naturally led itself to a dead environment. And I thought somebody made a really funny point on Twitter. Uh, somebody hit a shot into somebody's backyard or right up along the fence line. And somebody tweeted, what are the odds that this person that lives in this house even knows that the U.S. Open is going on yeah, in no their doubt. backyard right now? No doubt. I mean, why are we continuing? Why? Why do we keep giving big sporting events to Los Angeles. They don't care. They don't care. Nobody cares in Los nope. Angeles about sports. Nope. Nobody cares. You saw the Rams Super Bowl, the the, the, the Super parade. Bowl thing. They 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 filled out like school. a quarter of a high school stadium. It's it, they they don't have fans there. They're all fake fans. And they have two teams. That, Not to get into the NFL track, but it's just a uh, paints paints the bigger paints the bigger picture. Well, I mean, it, it, you know, I I'm with you. I don't know why they kowtow all the time to these big cities. But you can never say that New York, for example, or Chicago. I mean, you got sports fans in those Correct. towns. Okay? Correct. I mean, you got big-time sports fans in New York and Chicago, Texas. You know, you got – I mean, come on. Is he good? Phone call? Is that fine? That's fine. That's right. fine. We're just going to get a preview from, uh, from Thomas Harding. He covers the uh, Rockies for MLB.com. But, yeah, I mean, you know, look – Yeah, I mean, L.A., forget it. Um, you know, you, you could make the argument it's an event city, right, with all the big stars and all the big, you know, all the kind yeah. of Yeah, but I mean, there was nothing in L.A. I can promise you. I have been in that neighborhood. I used to go hiking and running through that neighborhood where the L.A. Country Club is because the Fox television studios are about three blocks down the road right there in Century City. I have spent, I don't even want to count how many nights of my life I've spent right there and run through that neighborhood. Nobody there cares about the U.S. Open. Nobody. They don't like the people driving through their neighborhood. 
That's where Hugh Hefner used to live. You think he'd give a damn about the U.S. Open? If you were Hugh Hefner, would you care about the U.S. Open? (laughs) Seriously. Used to walk by that dude's house all the time. All right. We got Thomas here ready to go. All right, Thomas Harding, kind enough to join us, uh, covers the Rockies for MLB.com. He is not making the trip to Cincinnati. I'm a little bit surprised, Thomas. Thanks for being with us because, you know, you're old stomping ground around these parts of the country. That's right. I I really enjoy Cincinnati. It's like Cincinnati. Excuse me. For some reason, I'm getting choked up. Maybe it's because I'm not in Cincinnati. But <laughs> Cincinnati and Pittsburgh, those are two of my favorite places to go. I always enjoy going there. It. Uh, I grew up in West Virginia. It just feels like home. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um, now, now, let me ask you. Look, uh, the Reds and the Rockies just faced each other a couple of weeks ago. Uh, since then, Charlie Blackman has gone down injured. He will not be playing this week. Um, you can look at the Rockies' record, but you know what's sort of the state of the team right now? I mean, they just got kicked around in Atlanta. A lot of people get kicked around in Atlanta. You were there. Uh, but, but what's sort of their mindset? Where are they coming into town this week? Well, first of all, because of various injuries, not just um, his, but C.J. Crone. And three guys in their rotation, Herman Marquez out for the year, um, Ryan Feltner and Antonio Senzatella, they have long-term absences. This team, they didn't say they were going with the youth movement, but that's exactly what's happening. Um, the shortstop, who probably will not be in Cincinnati because his wife is having a baby, but Ezekiel Tovar, a very exciting 21-year-old. And they have a couple of outfielders, Brenton Doyle in center and Noah Jones in right, Nolan Jones in right. But really, it looks like a team that's that sped up its transition to kind of the next phase of the youth movement. So at times they're going to struggle, and right now the starting pitching has really struggled. No starter has a win in the last 25 games. That's a club record. Are, 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 is anybody pitching well? At, I mean, it's one thing not to get a win. It's another thing to maybe hang your hat on somebody who's giving you five or six innings and allowing two, three, four runs. I, I mean, any hope that you've seen right now? Well, I'll tell you, uh, Kyle Freeland has pitched very well this season. In fact, he has the fifth lowest run support in all of baseball. He did not pitch well in Atlanta the other day. And some of the bullpen guys actually are pitching well. If they can get a lead, they can win it. There was a period where they were winning with the starters giving them less than five innings a game. I mean, um, like I say, it's a team in transition. They're trying to bring along some uh, some of the younger pitchers like Connor Seabold. Um, you know, he's in the rotation. I think Noah Davis, who's uh, kind of a prospect, he was actually originally with the Reds and traded here a couple, a few years back. He's going to get one of the starts in Cincinnati. So right now, Bud Black is kind of working with some of the younger pitchers. Um, there, there are a couple of younger ones in the bullpen. So you look at a team that's trying to develop for a year that's beyond this one. Hey, you know, Thomas, take us through a little bit uh, the effect of the humidor. I know it's now been a number of years um, since they started using that to try and take away all the offense at mile high altitude and so on and so forth. But, 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 but the effect that that has had on the Rockies as a franchise has been what, if any? Yeah, I think it's been a huge effect in that, especially the years they've been pretty good, like they went to the playoffs. Whenever they've gone to the playoffs, they pitched well, and especially out of the bullpen. When, when I first got to Colorado in 2000, I believe they added the humidor in 02. When I first got there, that was right after Daryl Kyle 
I mean, he just totally cratered when he went there, and it seemed like it was an absolutely impossible place to pitch. I think that it's that it normalized things a little bit, and because what it did was it cut down on some of the slickness and hardness of the baseball. It was very hard to get a grip, and when the ball hit the bat, it was really uh, it, it really came off the bat really hard. So basically, what they did was they normalized it somewhat. I don't think it's as normal as other parks, but it is possible to pitch there. Um, it's still hard to pitch there for a long time, but it is possible to pitch there. Um, I, you know, I, I wonder when you sit in division, and the Reds don't play in a division like the Rockies play in, where you have uh, two or three teams spending uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars on their payroll. That doesn't guarantee you're going to have a great year, case in point, San Diego so far this year. But for the fan base, and, and I've long argued that you put a decent product on the field, there are very few fan bases in sports better uh, than baseball fans out in your region, out in, in Colorado and the state surrounding Colorado. Do, 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 you know, you always got to have hope, right? And, and, yeah. and here in Cincinnati right now, the, the team has hope because of young players. Uh, being in that division, having the kind of year – uh, the Rockies have had the last couple of years. Is there still hope out in Denver, or are things getting a little towards the apathy side? Uh, there is more apathy than in the past, but apathy in Denver is still pretty decent attendance, to yeah. be honest with you. I mean, people do come out because it's a it's a wonderful ballpark. Here's the deal with them, is that, it and, and if you look at various prospect lists and everything else, it looks like they have corrected some things in the draft. The issue is, the pitchers are a year and a half or so away, the best pitchers of the crew. Um, if they can get back some of their injured guys maybe next year, they have a chance to be competitive. But you're right, this division is pretty murderous. I've kind of argued that the best thing for the Rockies would be if the, if the league expanded by two teams and maybe put one in the West to where Denver does not have to be in the division with San Francisco and Los Angeles. I mean, um, you have Denver's ne the Rockies have never won a division here, although they have gone to the playoffs a number of times. But I think that actually if they were in kind of more division um, in, 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 the, in more the middle of the country, mm -hmm. I think that kind of fits Denver. I think it fits uh, the, the market size and everything else. I've always kind of advocated for a – I'm going to call it an American League Midwest division where you right. have the Rockies, Kansas City, and the two Texas teams because the two Texas teams, it really hurts their television having to be in a Western division. So if you put those guys together, yes, Houston's a monster right now. Texas is growing into one, but it still is in Los Angeles. So, uh, and, and, and really San Francisco the prob probably can spend with them. But if you put that together, I think that you would have a really good division there, actually. All right, let me ask you uh, one thing. We, we got into a big debate here last week um, about uh, Todd Helton and, and putting up his, his stats against Joey Votto and how basically Helton in every category, including on-base percentage and OPS and slugging percentage, had better numbers at Votto, yet Helton has had to wait more than a handful of years now to get in. Are you surprised that he has not gotten in already? Well, two things. I'm not surprised he's not gotten in already, and I think Joey Votto may get in sooner because there was such 
a debate about uh, about offense in this park, especially early in Helton's career. Um, I think there are there are a couple of things that, from the Helton point of view, that I think people are finally starting to get because of Larry Walker. It's not only it, it, it's a wonderful place to hit the ball in the gap and things like that. It's a murderous place to go in and out of. I mean, there are people who come to Colorado and they're like, "Gee, I can't drink enough water." All those things going in and out of the environment. You play a completely different baseball game yep. when, you, when you leave Denver. It, the ball breaks differently. And, you know, for hitters, I think that Walt Weiss once described this, and this is kind of dating me a bit. He, he's like, when people come to Denver, their stinkers are mediocre. When you go on the road for the first couple of games, every sinker looks like Kevin Brown. So the ability to adjust back and forth, um, I think that was underrated. When I, when I look at Joey Votto, yes, there are, there are tight power alleys there, but – Look at all he's done in his career. I do think that Joey Votto will be a Hall of Famer and relatively soon. I think that he he most likely will get in, have a shorter weight than Helton, and I don't think that's fair. Well, you know, the bottom line is, is Helton still hit almost 287 as a player on the road. So, I mean, he wasn't yeah. some stiff. Now, granted, he tore it up in Denver. But anyway, we, we, we had that conversation last week, and, um, and we'll see how it all plays out down the road. Votto may be back with the team. Uh, tonight, last thing I want to ask you about. I it, look, you weren't around for the parade, but w- what was Denver like uh, with the Nuggets finally winning their first championship? Yeah, I've got to tell you that that was really meaningful there. When I first moved there in 2000, and and um, it was before my wife and kids were able to come out, I was able to spend some time in Denver, and a lot of people that lived in the city itself. As much as they loved the Broncos, they had kind of a heartfelt feeling for the Nuggets because, you know, the Nuggets in in the late 60s and in the ABA and into the 70s were a very good team, and people have been waiting a long time for this. And that's a team that looks like it could win um, in the future. I'm not going to say dynasty. That's a tough word, especially when you've just won one of them. But if you look at the group that is together and actually guys that – I think are maturing. Not everybody, not everybody on that team is the player he's going to be. I'm looking at Michael Porter Jr., who's going to get better. Murray seems to be taking off right now. This is a team that will be a monster for a few years. I agree with you. Well, Thomas, I know you're uh, busy ca- uh, catching a plane and getting back home. Belated happy Father's Day. I know you'll get to see your kids when you get back home. Uh, hopefully you do. And uh, thank you so much, man. It's great to hear your voice, and I look forward to seeing you. I hope in person, because you're one of the truly really good guys in this world, man. Man, I, 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 I can't wait to see you in person either. And the way that you and your dad welcomed me onto the beat, I will never forget. And um, all the best to you, and happy Father's Day to you too, Blake. Thank you very much, Thomas. Safe travels, my friend. Godspeed ahead. Thank you. That's a good guy, man. I mean, you talk about a guy easy to like, warm smile, just a great dude, Thomas Harding, and we thank him uh, for his time. He really does love coming back uh, to this part of the country. You know, one thing we didn't cover, and we're going to get to it later. So there's two things we're going to get to a little bit later on. One of them, the Bob Huggins story. Yeah. He brought up West Virginia. That's where Thomas grew up. Uh, We knew what happened with Huggins a month ago. Uh, on the radio here locally with Bill Cunningham. He was able to survive that and keep his job. Uh, And then over the weekend, he's in Pittsburgh. It's about 8.30 on a Friday night. He gets pulled over, flat tire, tire shredded is a description, I think, in the article. Uh, Turns out he was over the legal limit for alcohol consumption, uh, and he has resigned. 
as a head basketball coach at West Virginia. You know, the easiest thing in the world uh, is to sit here, and, and this is where, the, you know, I talk about them all the time. This is where the haters come out of the woodwork. They literally crawl up through the cracks in the floor. They just can't wait to see somebody else fail. They can't wait. They can't wait. Boy, I mean, they jump on social media and it's just kill this guy, kill that guy whenever they can. That's in politics. That's in music. That's in sports. That's in life. Whatever it is. And I feel sorry for those people. I really do. I mean, look, has Bob Huggins made mistakes? There is no doubt about that. Is he lucky he didn't kill somebody else behind the wheel of a car? Right? Served over the legal limit? No doubt about it. Thank the Lord and only by the grace of God did something like that not happen. He's had a DUI before. So nobody's excusing that. No one. Not me. No one else. Okay? And nor is anyone excusing in any form or fashion the things he said a month ago on the radio with Bill Cunningham. If you're Catholic, probably furious. If you're gay, furious. No doubt about it. No excuses, no nothing. Um, but for people to, to, to cheer that bad things happen to people, uh, I, I think it's a shame. Uh, I'm not surprised. Paul, you're a big college basketball guy. I am not surprised at all that he had to look in the mirror and say, that's it. Yeah, between what happened a month ago on the radio and then this. I mean, this wasn't just any drunk driving incident. Not that any of them are excusable, but this wasn't like he blew a .09 a mile away from the bar. This was a situation where he thought he was in Columbus and he was actually in Pittsburgh. Yep. It sounded like he had been driving for hours at pretty much this uh, this legal limit. He blew a .21. Yep. And for people that might not know, the legal limit is .08. So he's almost three times the legal limit. I mean, .21, that's, that's, that is a incredible amount of alcohol, especially for somebody his size. You know, he's not a, it's not a small guy. It's not like, not like me. You know, I mean, he's... <laughs> A big guy doing that, driving where yep. your tire is shredded. You can't identify where you are. I read the entire police report, which is available online. Matt Norlander had tweeted it out. It was all over the place. But, I mean, he couldn't follow directions on what he was supposed to be doing as far as the tests, the field tests go. He couldn't follow directions on what he was supposed to be doing. Uh, he, I think three different times he was told he was supposed to stand on one leg, and then he said he had had surgery on one leg, but he couldn't remember which leg he had surgery on. Um, he said he w went to a Burger King. That Burger King is in Washington, PA, which is, if you know geography, I mean, Washington and Pittsburgh, they're they're close, but they're not they're down not that the close, street. They're right. not that close. Right. Relative to the state of Pennsylvania, they're close, but they're not that close. And, I mean, you, you think of what was going on in, in Pittsburgh that night. It was a Taylor Swift concert. Yep. So it's a, one of the busiest nights of the year in Pittsburgh. I mean, I think you're right on it, Tom, where this is a really – it's, it's, it's lucky that he didn't do more damage to any to – either to himself or to anybody else on the road. No question. And uh, I, I don't think there was any doubt when this came out that between this and the situation a month ago um, – it is a shame for a Hall of Famer like Bob Huggins and somebody who has been such a 
personality of the sport for decades and somebody that's meant so much to so many young men over the years. And we've heard people talk about how he's a father figure to all these young men that have come through his team. And you saw all the, the tweets of support and everything like that through the weekend. But this is just an, an incredibly dangerous thing that he did. And I don't think there was any way that he was going to be able to survive this and stay on as the head coach. Between this and the incident last month, I mean, and, and it's not even like this is the first time. I mean, you know, it, it happened back when he was at Cincinnati, too. I mean, this is obviously a recurring thing and, and something that, I, I don't know, it's just a, a real, real shame to see all this come out. And I, I just, just a shame. For somebody that's such a legend of the sport, like, Bob Huggins is uh, just a shame. To, but I'm about 0.21 to yeah. be driving at that. And no doubt. To, and to have all the empties in, in right next to you on the passenger and, seat. And when you have the wherewithal, uh, even if you don't have the wherewithal, I mean, you can figure something out, right? The wherewithal where somebody else could have been driving for him. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, look, I mean, th th this is where in life, you know, uh, no one's perfect. We talk about this all the time. And again, I am not sitting here defending, but I'm, I'm just trying to lay out that in a day and age where we want to just pick people apart to death, there ha has to be some scale here where you say, okay, before I say this guy is every bad name in the book, I have to say, well, as Paul pointed out, um, you could find hundreds if not thousands of people that are his biggest fan. And I don't mean the person who roots for West Virginia to beat Kansas in a basketball game. I'm talking about the players who play for him, yeah. who come from a single family, single parent home, who he has basically become their father. And I was around dozens of them for 11 years that I used to announce UC basketball. And every one of those guys would run through a wall for Huggins to this day. Um, but that does not dismiss, on the other side, uh, what he did, and especially when it comes to the, uh, the drinking and driving. It's just unacceptable. Um, and, you know, I, I pray for the guy that, 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 that this fall from, you know, this plateau he was on in his professional career. I hope and pray that somehow, some way, that he can get his life together because he says now uh, he really needs to just focus on his family and his health. Uh, he's not looked good for a long time, gotten very big. Um, you know, look, he's always been the kind of guy that would go out after a game and sit around with the broadcasters or whatever. Dane O'Neill wrote a, 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 a column in The Athletic yesterday, how she went to West Virginia two or three years ago uh, and that Hugs had a bar in his office. And she sat around and had a few cocktails, you know, while she's writing this story about Huggins. That was the lead of the story. Dude's got a bar in his office. Thought it was pretty cool. And then she went on to say, naturally, that you know, that still doesn't condone the, the, the drinking and drive. It's just, it, it's, it's, it's too bad. And I just hope that we read that better things are ahead for Bob Huggins. And I don't mean as a coach. Because uh, I highly, although I'm not going to say I highly doubt. I'm not going to say I highly doubt he'll never coach again. Because there have been other guys that have done every bit as bad as he's done, and they're back coaching again. A lot. Yeah, I'm They're not, different, but a lot. I'm not going to say that no school would give him a chance because certainly in, you, you've seen things 
happen where guys have gotten second chances, been able to go out there, try and coach again. But in this climate, it's just so different now, coaching in college sports. You saw, you know, you've seen all of these legendary coaches. But just think about the coaching in college basketball, Tom, where we were four years ago, where you had Mike Krzyzewski, Roy Williams, Jim Beheim, Jay Wright, Bob Huggins, all of these big coaches that are now out. I'm sure I'm forgetting some off the top of my head here. I'm just, I'm, I'm really thinking of the biggest names here. But all of these biggest, all these coaches that have meant so much to the sport over yep. the last 20, 30, 40 years, and now this whole new regime of coaches has come in. It, it is, it has changed the sport, and it's a lot of it has to do with the transfer portal. And, you know, for somebody like Bob Huggins, who has been around for so long and who has had a few stops at Cincinnati, Kansas State real quick, and then going over to West Virginia, it it would surprise me if he went anywhere else. It really would. Because you're not going to see Bob go for one or two years to go somewhere just to just to say he was doing it as a redemption tour. I'm sure a small school somewhere would take him, but he's not going to do a Rick Patino where he goes to an Iona to coach for one or two years. Bob Huggins isn't doing that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But you just brought up a name where it worked. If Rick Patino can get hired, I mean, Rick Patino, what? I think these situations are very different. They, I said they were different. Yeah, They're yeah. Very different. There's no question about it. Yeah. There, there's no doubt. But, but I'm saying they are still very serious situations. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, there are some personal situations, right? There are some recruiting situations yep. and sanctions, right? Yep. So I'm saying, yeah, they're very different. Yeah. But, I mean, they're still blots on the screen. Does that make sense? I mean, Auburn just, I mean, it's a different sport, but Auburn just hired Hugh Freeze this year to be their football coach. At the end of the day, these big programs, all they care about is winning. That's exactly winning is right. What makes Bobby them Petrino. If, exactly. If Bob Huggins gives a big program the best chance to win in a couple of years after this all kind of blows over, I don't know that he's a, completely done for. Yeah, I, I mean, look, we're all flawed. Boy, I really want to tell you, uh, Scrubble Horace, I think he's new to the chat. Boy, he, I tell you, you have really lent so much to the chat today. Uh-oh. saying Thumb Branaham, I guess that's me, right? Seems to be talking about falls from grace from personal experience. Boy, now, and now there is some enlightening material there. That's precisely what I'm talking about. Precisely. Precisely. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break. Um, and when we come back, fellas, we're going to get into this whole red thing. First of all, the way they played over the weekend, the way they're playing right now, eight-game winning streak. Um so we'll talk about, I mean, they're playing great. They're playing the best of anybody in baseball. That's number one. Then we're going to talk about this Votto thing uh, and really get into, we started to touch on it a little bit. If he's activated, who goes? When Will Myers is activated, who goes? Will Myers. When Christian Encarnacion <laughs> Strand comes up, who goes? Oh, man. All right. Hammond Eggers, take it away. It's that time of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great, trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Well, uh, 
we mentioned that their uh, UC baseball has a new baseball coach. So we'll go with the Bearcats report today. Bob Huggins, Bearcat. That's also true, Jacob. So we'll go with the Bearcats report. And it is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. That's right, Casey. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. Also, we've seen a lot of you tweeting about Pawnee Water, seen some pictures. Reed's been tweeting about it. People have found it out in the wild. Pawnee Water, P-A-H-H-N-I, water.com. It's made right here. It's right across the street. Made right across the street in Hamilton. It uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. And the result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water in the world. It is very good. And if you look at the ingredients list, it just says water. There's no any additives to it. There's nothing to it. It is just water. You can visit their website at pawneywater.com. That is P-A-H-H-N-I water.com. P-A-H-H-N-I water.com to see where you can buy it. Drink Pawnee Water. Get your coffee from UDF. Bet with Brett Fred. And get your technology solutions from Encore.tech. Also, July 17th, the Reds game. It is the Reds chatterbox outing. Trace took care of it. He uh, rented the, the riverboat deck. I don't know what tickets are going to look like as far as pricing goes or anything like that. Um, but I know a lot of people are already excited to get there. You will get more information later about what's going on. But right now, all we have to tell you is the date. July 17th. It's a Monday night. The Reds are playing the Giants. Be there July 17th. Anything I'm forgetting? Like the show, people. Oh, There's yeah, like the stream. of you in here. We have 67 likes right now. We have over 250 people watching. If you're a new viewer, thanks for watching. See, probably a lot of people coming over from the Chatterbox Red stream. So if you're a new viewer to this, we are live here from 10A to 12P every Monday through Friday. Um, we have a big week. I'm not going to spoil it just in case we don't lock down some of the guests for the week. I'm very excited about our guests for tomorrow. I'm thrilled. I'm not, I'm not going to give away who it is, but if you're a fan of Seinfeld, you will love tomorrow's guest. Hmm. <laughs> love tomorrow's guest. Hmm. I, I am ecstatic about tomorrow's guest. That's the way you're talking about our guest tomorrow? No spoilers. Well, no, I had, to, I, had no to give a, I had to give a vague spoiler. If I gave the baseball one, everybody would know. Okay. Give a vague We're one. excited. I, I hope something doesn't get messed up. So we're, I, I say messed up because, look, technologically speaking, sometimes – you get in hotels, you get wherever it is you are, at home, whatever it might be. This guy will be joining us, I'm assuming, from his hotel tomorrow. Um, but, no, you know, I, I, I got you. Look, I'll give it away who it is. It's, it, it's Keith Hernandez. Now, you talk about a great baseball player. That guy was a great baseball player. Total gamer. Total winner. Um... Great on defense, arguably the greatest defensive first baseman to ever play the game. And man, could he hit. Uh, and, and he has a new book out. Talks about how he used to run the streets all the time. He was notorious for a guy that loved getting out and about. But um, I got a really nice note from him yesterday. Apparently, unbeknownst to me, I, about four or five people um, 
sent me a note about it. Keith Hernandez was one of them yesterday, sent me a text about um, this article written by Phil Mushnick in the New York Post yesterday about what's the guy's name? You said you know his son. What's his name? Uh, Craig Carton. Craig Carton. He's got a new show coming up on FS1, right? He just left WFAN to go to FS1. Right. And he was a talk, he is, was a talk show host in New York City, still is a talk show host, sports talk show host, uh, who went to jail. Right. right? Embezzled a bunch of money. I'm not quite sure exactly yeah, what it was. So millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. Went to jail, spent time in jail, uh, recovering um, uh, gambling addict, right? Correct. And how he is now getting a chance to resume his career. And Phil Mushnick, longtime columnist in the New York Post, made reference to a couple of other guys in broadcasting, me being one, um, that should get another chance to get back in the booth. And uh, but Keith uh, was really nice, said he read it. I uh, just want to say hello and say happy Father's Day. I tried to get him on the show when the Mets were in town earlier, and he couldn't do it. So he said he'd be open to doing it. So hopefully tomorrow we have the great Keith Hernandez. So he was on Seinfeld. Oh, my God. I've never seen an episode of Seinfeld. Oh, no. Yes, he was on Seinfeld. Great, great character on Seinfeld. Yeah. One of the most overrated it. sitcoms of all time. Most what? One of the most overrated sitcoms. No, before. that's The Office. Oh, oh. Whoa, whoa, office. whoa, whoa, The Office stinks. The Office is the most rewatched. What are you talking about? The Office stinks. What are you talking about? The Office stinks, and I watched it, so I never watched The you Office. You probably love Friends, don't you, Paul? No, I hate Friends. I hate Friends. No, oh, I, 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 I watched The Office. I will say it. I had never watched it. I watched it during COVID. I watched every episode. Seasons like four and five were great. One through four, great. Yeah, yeah. No, one stunk. The second episode of the show is one of my favorites in the whole show. Well, Diversity Day. Well, banger. Diversity. It's. Ah, I just never got into it. I just never got into the humor. What a horrible take, Paul. Yeah, I just, not, I, I just never, never got, got into, into the humor. I mean, I say that with love, and I say it with respect. That's, that's one of the most take. disgusting things I've ever heard. I, I no, that's the I mean, slander I, coming I, out of your mouth. I've gotten killed for it for years. Like you it, should. It rolls off you the, should. MILBP. It's it what what's funny about the office? The whole show. It's relatively the whole related. premise. It's relatable within this office right here. Correct. Uh, <laughs> I did enjoy it. I enjoy I think I what happened was I watched season one so many times and couldn't get through it that then I watched the whole show and it was a little bit better. So I liked I liked seasons three and four, but yeah, the whole and then like once Michael left, like that was awful. I will oh agree with that. Gosh. You don't, so maybe that was what left a sour taste. There's in my nine. Mouth. You are getting lit. You're up. getting. Lit. I don't. Yeah, you should. I don't. Yeah, I don't, should, I don't care. I, I, I mean, like, I know it's probably my Your biggest supporter, Mouse Cop. No, it's my least. <laughs> it's my least popular. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. It's look. We've been eight months on this show, and I've never. I've. I've Parks never. And Rec is funny too, though. What is? I. Oh, I've I never. I hear you, Paul. What'd you say? I mean, Casey. Parks and Rec. What is that? Very funny show. It, it's like a office. It's not a spinoff of The Office, but it's very similar to The Office. It was on NBC of around the same time. Same yeah. kind of humor. Yeah, same sort of humor. It's based off of a, a park. Now, if we're really but, going 2010s NBC sitcoms, Community is where it's at. Community is unbelievable. If you haven't seen Community. Where do you guys there. find the time to watch all this? I mean, has, I has streaming taking the place of idiots? You know, who sit around and play video games all day long? <laughs> the video? Yes. I've, I've never heard, heard that. that. That's what awesome. That? I've never heard that. Idiots? You've never heard the term <laughs> video? No, never. but I'm oh in. My God. That, that was around. I think the first person I ever 
heard called that was Greg Maddox. Back when he was with the Cubs, he was like 20-something years old, and he used to sit around and play video games all day long, right, in his room. And somebody, I can't remember who it was, that was the first time I ever heard the term referring to Greg Maddox to his face. He was sitting there, referred to him as a vidiot. So I'm asking the question, have, has, have streaming shows now replaced the vidiot? Yeah, I don't know. I'll be honest. I don't really watch. Like, Seinfeld's the only comedy that I just leave on reruns. I've seen it so many times, start to finish. I just kind of like, I just kind of go back over it. You watch like, reruns of Seinfeld. Well, it's intelligent humor. I like <laughs> it. You're a weirdo. Like, okay. you know that I didn't know. I thought you just watched it and you liked it, but you actually just sit there. No, and I just watch I leave, it. but I don't. I don't do that. Yeah, I mean, I. I get, I go through a phase. You know what Netflix needs to do? They need, and, and maybe this would be, maybe I would watch it now. The office isn't on Netflix anymore. You know what they need to do? They need to add a shuffle button to, to Netflix. Big. Like, I don't want to just go. Well, and, I have breaking news. You're about two years late to the shuffle. No, button. they don't have a, they, <laughs> they don't have a shuffle button for episodes. Well, you can just shuffle, you can shuffle like your list and it just plays a random episode from like any of your, however many shows. Right on the homepage of your screen, it says, by anything or show. I don't know what the no, yeah, but that's is, but. but that's it. Yeah, yeah, but that's a show. It doesn't shuffle the episodes of the show. It, oh, just within. It a, doesn't like I. I just want to go to Seinfeld and say shuffle, and then it picks like like I don't want to gotcha. pick like because then if I pick like season five episode four and it's stupid, then I feel like I wasted twenty minutes. Let's just pick an episode. And let me run it in the background. Basically, let me watch TNT without commercials or TBS. Uh, good fat chance of that. It's going to happen. That's, that's what I mean. That's not happening. Because I can turn TBS on last night. You know, I'm sitting there. Yeah, that's not happening. I'm sitting there reading the, the U.S. Open recaps and Seinfeld's on TBS. I want to do that without commercials. Chad with the Super Chat, $5. Best show ever made is the Andy Griffith show. Great show. I, I do. Which is such a Chad thing to say. I too. watch that every night. <laughs> that's I, a, it's I a watch great the Andy show. Griffith show every night. Not a, my own choosing, but a, I do. What? I, I got a couple people my parents, in the chat. My <laughs> parents have. That show was made in 1875. <laughs> oh, don't get me started. <laughs> that show was made in 1875. Don't get me they didn't even have cameras when they recorded that <laughs> show. Brother, it's I know. It's a great show. It is a great show. A great show. Don Knotts was in there. Oh, yeah. Ronnie Howard was a little boy. <laughs> Uh, that's a great show. I got people in the chat want to cha challenge me to a video game. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with video games. Nothing. Nothing at all. Streaming if you like a... playing them, go play them. I don't care. I didn't have say you, anything Tom, bad about it. Tom, I just told you a Tom, word have you heard of, have you heard of Rocket League? That's no. What so Rocket League, is a, it's, it's basically soccer, but instead of people kicking the ball, it's cars. It's race cars. <laughs> yeah. So that's what they want to challenge you in. Live so streaming, Tom. Yeah, so, you're a, so you're, a, you're a race car trying to get a soccer ball into a goal. Boy, I'll tell you. <laughs> I mean, wow. It says, man, get, get Rocket League right here in our office. Everett says, we got to do it. Drew Garrison. Uh, Tom, you must publicly state that you're scared to 1v1 me in that game. Yes, I am. I am because I don't know how to play. I'd be humiliated. I do enough of that on my own. Um, all right, let's get to uh, the red legs here. Do you, you, you know, Paul, you look like you took a little issue with me saying about the Astros not being very good. I, I want somebody to tell me one thing they saw just from the last three days. Now, I know that's a small sample size. I want somebody to tell me, matter of fact, why don't we go over the last three weeks of their season? Almost the last month of their season. 
And I want somebody to tell me what it is they like about the Astros. And again, I'm not diminishing what the Reds did. You play who you play, and you play them when it says you have to play them. And we say on this program all the time, it's not who you play more times than not, it's when you play them. If you'd have played the Astros in the first two months of the season, outcome's probably not very good, right? Now, all of a sudden here over the last month, they are a sub-500 team. You're nodding your head, Elliot. Yeah, well, they, they haven't played well. I think they lost to the Guardians. They've lost to the Nationals in a series. Uh, now they've lost to us. To be fair to them, they've been dealing with some injuries. Their yes, top, they have. Their top three pitchers were not available against us. Yep. Their best hitter who is phenomenal, and Jordan Alvarez, not available. Yep. But to your credit, they've been losing some series to some very, very bad teams. So I, 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 don't, I don't know if it's, a, if it's a World Series slump. I don't know what's going on, but they certainly have not been the team that was advertised at the beginning of the year. Well, and I mean, look, uh, David joins in the chat. I haven't seen him before. He says he's got a bunch of buddies that live down there in Houston, and they believe the Astros are cooked. No, your daddy, right, as they call him. The entire rotation, as you mentioned, is injured. Uh, Bregman uh, is all bent out of shape, apparently, about his contract. Tucker, the whole nine yards. Altuve was hurt to start the year. And again, I did not say that they're not a good team. I didn't say that. That's not what I said. Please pay attention. It was pointed out by OJ's Bronco. They have the best ERA in the league. They don't for the last month. They got guys out and they got guys hurt. I just asked the question over the last month, what do you see? At, did, that, does that, did that team at all scare you on offense watching them? Was there a batter that came to the plate? Like when, when McLean comes to the plate, you're like, ooh. India comes to the plate right now, you're like, ooh. De La Cruz comes to the plate. Steer, you're going, oh, man. Was there a single guy in that Houston lineup that came to the plate where you said, Man, I'm worrying about this game. Does Abreu look like he's going to hurt you? Guy's hitting 220. What's he got? Four home runs? I don't even know if he is. Does he have that many? He may not. Have. It might be three. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if it's that many, but they haven't been good. The lineup hasn't been good. I don't know why. I don't know why, but you are correct. The, the team is—they not... don't have a single player with double-digit home runs on their current. So that's what I, all I'm saying is: is right now, okay, they are not a team that, in any form or fashion, looks like a contender. Will they be down the road? Time will tell. Yes, Casey. I was just—I wanted to also mention too that last week you kind of even—I wouldn't say you predicted this, but you—you you said yourself like. You expect them to win this. I do. You, you expect them to win this series. Expect them to win the Rocky series. The real, the real question is the Orioles, right? Braves. I think that's who. Well, the they Braves. got the Braves this weekend. Now, I mean, if everybody thinks the Reds are hot, the Braves are the hottest team in the month of June. They have the best record of any team in Major League Baseball. They've only had three losses, I think it is, its entire month. So, I mean, you're playing a big league team. But continue, Casey. Well, then you have the Orioles. Yeah, I was just saying, like, that, that this was not the part that we were most concerned with. It's once we get to the Braves and the Orioles, I think that's where we can really make a, 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 a claim that, all right, this is a team that's ready to roll or this is a team that still needs a year. 
we've won eight games against major league ball clubs. At the end That's of the day, right. we're just winning. You can't yeah. pick if they, if we went down there to Houston and the Astros were completely healthy and playing like a World Series team and we got swept. We wouldn't be sitting here saying, oh, the Astros are so good, blah, blah, blah. We'd say, oh, we got beat. Yep. Well, we went down there and we beat them. So at the end of the day, we're 8-0 in the last eight. We've won the last four series. Let's just keep winning the teams we're playing. Who cares who they are? That's right. That's right. Personally, I don't care who's on our schedule. The Reds team, and I said this at the very beginning of the season, they needed to learn how to win. And despite who's on their schedule and whether or not that team is hurt or not, you got to play and you got to win. So – Kudos to this team. Give them their flowers. Eight straight. The Reds were 35-1 to to win the NL Central the night that L.A. De La Cruz got called up. They are now 3.5-1. to one. Yeah. That is crazy. Yep. They have dropped their odds by 10 times the number in 10 days. Okay, so are they following the lead of off the bench? Let me look. What are the guys in Vegas paid to do? <laughs> What do they pay to do? All the information. They know all the players. They know all the talent level. This is why now, and I said it a week and a half ago, this is why now you better be bummed if they don't win it. And I don't want to hear about what you thought they were. What with Dennis Green? What? They are who we thought they were. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get away with it. Okay. When you look at the Milwaukee Brewers and you look at the Cubs and you look at the Cardinals, I mean, the Pirates, they're right, they're going right where you knew they were going to go. You knew it. I mean, in a complete spiral downward. They're bringing up their number one prospect, who I think was the first pick in the draft last year or two years ago, 2021, Davis. They're bringing him up tonight. But look. You, you got to separate what was to what is to what will be, okay? What was is old news. It's old news. Just like I used to say to Casey all the time, last year, I'm tired of hearing about the Super Bowl. I'm tired of hearing about it. It's over. It's done. What are you doing now? I don't want to hear about 100-plus losses last year. I don't want to hear about starting this year 7-15. and 15. Look at the lineup the Reds were putting on the field when they were 7-15. and 15. This is a very different team than that team and that lineup that was on the field. You got guys now that got two, three months into big leagues. You got guys like Steer that have proven they belong here. You got guys like McLean who's up. You got De La Cruz who's up. You're getting Votto coming back. We'll see what he's got. Perhaps Encarnacion Strand coming back. I mean, you didn't have Andrew Abbott in the rotation. Yeah, you had Lodolo, but, I mean, look, <laughs> Abbott looks pretty damn good. So, all of the other stuff is old news. So, what Vegas does is they say, okay, let's analyze the situation here for a minute. Let's look at who is their primary competition now with 100 games left or whatever it is in the season, roughly, right? A little more than that, but right, a little over 100. 37 and 35, so 72 games in, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so a little less than 100, forgive me. So I'm waiting for somebody to tell me who has a better roster than the Reds have in the National League Central Division. 
Who has a better roster? The, the current Brewers rotation is the only thing. That yes. Scares, Cause it's so much better than everything else. Yes. But, but lineup wise, correct. I would, I would argue position player wise, the Reds have the best position player. And it's getting better. Yeah. And it's, it's only going to keep getting better. So now all of a sudden you have a situation where you figure out the pitching staff and everything else and you go from there. But you're right. You're spot on with the primary competition, Tom, playing the NL Central. And, you know, the Cubs are playing well lately. They've won, what, 7-9? Yep. Cubs are playing well. But not well. gaining any ground. Yeah, and they haven't gained. Well, they're gaining some ground I on mean, teams like Pittsburgh. Yeah. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But as far as for first place, so yeah. Now all of a sudden you have a situation where and, – and you're not playing the Central for the next three weeks. You don't play the Central again until the last three games before the All-Star break. And, oh, by the way, you mix in there the Nationals for four games over the 4th of July who aren't very good. So, no, but you, but the Reds aren't in a position. They're not the kind of team where you can start looking down your nose at other teams. No, no, you I'm know, not, I, I know you didn't I, I'm mean that. No, no, no. I'm just talking about how the, you know, the, we're talking about the strength of the schedule. Right. You, you know, you have the Rockies here in town this week who aren't very good. You have the Nationals in a couple of weeks who aren't very good. It's yeah. not like you're just, you know, we're talking about how, you know, this part of the schedule and into the to the end of July and probably the first week of August is a lot more challenging than maybe the last month was. But it's not like you're exclusively playing these teams that are at the top of the AL East or at the t you do play the, the Orioles next week, but you're mixing that in there with the Nationals. You're mixing it in there with the Rockies this week. You're not just going out there and beating your head against a wall against, you know, the Yankees every two weeks. There, there's no doubt about it. Uh, and, and, you know, in some ways, it's kind of weird. Um, in, in some ways, it's almost a shame that they changed the schedule for this year. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you're a Reds fan, I, how would you feel about getting a chance to play the, the, the Pirates? I know they haven't played well against the Pirates and the Brewers so far. What, three and eight, only 11 games, and a very different roster than the one they're running out there now and the one that is still to come. Uh, if if everyone stays healthy, um, I mean, I, I think the Reds would welcome playing those teams in their division this year 18 times. Absolutely, absolutely. I I, I think especially right now, I I don't know why. I mean, the the uh, the NL Central has been so bad. I don't I don't fully understand why the Cardinals. I still think are scary offensively, but their pitching's so bad. The Brewers they can't hit a baseball. The Cubs are just atrocious. Shout out to Reed. That team stinks. That team's horrible. And the Pirates, I think Tom said it a little early on, or earlier on, uh, maybe a couple weeks ago, are you scared of the Pirates ever? No, you're never scared no. of the Pirates. No. That's a sad organization. Very sad. And I say that with respect, kind of. But I, do? I don't think you mean any respect ever. there. No. You don't, you don't maybe sometimes maybe, you do mean respect. You maybe mean not, no respect to Pittsburgh. Yeah, with yeah, Pittsburgh kind of stinks. No, that's a bad, that's a bad, that's a bad franchise. Are they right? on your stink list? Pittsburgh, bottom. yeah, Pittsburgh is on my stink list. They're number one. Agreed. <laughs> no, but I would. I, I'm not. I'm not afraid of any NL Central opponent right now, um, other than the maybe the Brewers, kind of the Cardinals. Now we talk about the Reds potentially adding at the deadline to make a real run. Would it be that much of a stretch to say the Cardinals, Cubs, and Brewers are going to sell at the deadline? They have a lot of guys with expiring deals, and they're not uber competitive right now to where they want to be. If those three teams sell at the deadline. This division opens up even more. I just wonder who they got to sell. I mean, when it comes to the take the Brewers. I mean, in a lot of ways, Christian Yelich reminds me, though he's having a much better year than Bregman, 
But what has happened to Christian Yelich? This guy, and and again, this is why I don't buy hype. (laughs) This is why. Yelich has had some outstanding years in the big leagues. Don't get me wrong. And he had one in particular where he won the MVP. But since then, he is a very pedestrian player. He's just recently gotten hot to get his his average up to 270. His on-base percentage is 37. His slugging's 430. He's not hitting the ball in the seats. Uh, Winker hitting 200. On-base percentage of 300. Adamas. This is the heart of the lineup. 202, 257, 200 on base percentages, all under 300, these guys. 228. They bring in Contreras. He's batting 240. You said it a minute ago. They, they, they can't hit at all. No. So you can have the best pitch. I mean, th- they're playing guys that are batting a buck fifty and two twelve in their everyday lineup. Reds don't have anybody like that. We think Stevenson's having a bad year and he's hitting two fifty. I mean, again, I you know I I don't know what what's so hard to figure out about this thing because it ain't that hard. It's not a matter of buying a hype. The talent on the Reds team. If they can figure out a way, whether it's Ashcraft coming back, it's not going to be Lodolo. Just forget it. It's not going to be him until maybe September if you're in a pennant run. They can tell you all they want to tell you. He ain't back before the middle of August, minimum. Abbott, Green, you know, lively you can, I, I think, live with. They got to figure out what else is going on in the rotation. Or the bullpen, the old baseball axiom goes, they won't be able to wipe their tail come August 1st. They got to get guys that can pitch in a starting rotation and pitch well. Because offensively, they have got more than enough to win this division. Yep. And in my opinion, better than the other teams. I mean, am I off base on this? No. No, I, I, I would say the only thing right now, and it's, it can be fixed at the deadline a little bit, is the pitching. I think starting pitching has been abysmal, as Tom just said. I think the bullpen still – bullpen's pitched well. Bullpen is a top 10 uh, bullpen in the MLB. However, there are still some guys in our bullpen that I – when they come out to the mound, I still don't like them. <laughs> Ian Jabot, I don't know if you watched, Tom. Ian Jabot, Ian Jabot comes out there and, and Dude, got – He's been all right. And in, got, got – Only when we have a five Okay, but here's, here's what ha- – <laughs> So, Tom, here's what happens, though. So, I, I have these stats right up about Ian Jabot. Right, go ahead. Let's go. High leverage and medium leverage. That means he's coming in when, when, when you know, when it's not, not cutting cut time. time. When it's well, not- and that's defined, I think, by a two- or three-run spread, right? Correct. Okay, okay. go ahead. Yep. So, in medium leverage – Teams are hitting 303 with a 410 OBP, slugging 546 against Jabot. Against high leverage, they're hitting 260 with a 340 OBP against Ian Jabot. That's Ian, not bad. Ian, well, that's pretty bad. I, I, <laughs> I, two, I, 260, 340 OBP. I, I don't know. I still don't trust it. I don't think it's great, but if, it's not like it's not 310. So if you average that out, though, they're still hitting, what is that, 285 okay. with a 3. Let me see quick some quick math. Three eighty OBP against Jabot. Well, that's pretty hot. When, when it matters, yeah. I, I I think, and if you go to the ninth inning, 
Ninth inning, Ian Jabot. Teams are hitting 316 with a 440 OBP against Jabot. So whenever it's time for Ian Jabot to come out in a big moment, Ian Jabot is going to just trot out there and give up home runs. That's what he does. And I'm concerned that a lot of those guys in the bullpen are kind of like that. They're getting these innings. Who else worries you down there? I know. So I think by and large, you tell me if I'm wrong. I think you feel good, obviously, about Diaz. Yep. You feel very good or maybe just good about Sims. I feel good about Sims. Yeah, Sims is great stuff. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he's not setting the world on fire now. I mean, he's been solid. Oh, we got to feel good about somebody. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I think I think big game Buck Farmer is on a little bit of a hot stretch. I don't buy the big game career Buck year. It is a career year. Career year. He's been. I think he's given up one earned run since the middle of May. He's been very very good. I don't buy. I don't buy the hype. Alex Young against a right-handed batter. I don't love. I don't love it. I, I just think I think our bullpen has been given this run where. They're coming in in the fourth and fifth innings, and it's just boosting numbers right around there. And then we get to the ninth, and then we start to sweat a bit, yeah? So, I, I don't know. I, I think— Well, the ninth, you only sweat if Diaz can't pitch. Correct. Right. Which, but, again, why wasn't Diaz available? Has that come he, out yet? He, he pitched five out of the last six games before that. I don't think that's right. He had an off, we had an off day. Yeah. And he pitched five—it was either five of the last six or five of the last seven before that game. I don't know if that's true. I'll, I'll have to look that one I, up. That, I think that that's is true. That's a guarantee. Yeah, okay. That's Jacob Kiss a guarantee. Okay. That's true. All right. Well, if that's the case— Oh, wait that, a minute. Did he pitch in the game that they won 10-3 to on Saturday? Diaz pitched, yes. Diaz pitched the yes. 10th, 11th, 13th, 14th, and 16th. That's five of seven, correct? So, yeah. No, but he I'm, I'm saying, did he, pitch, did he pitch in a 10-3 win? No, he pitched in – his last game was the 2-1 win over Friday Houston. Friday night. 2-1. So, you gave – you had to give your closer two days off once you had a big lead, right? Yep. And yesterday they decided that he was unavailable. Yep. I, I now, see. I, I got to be honest with you. I, I don't love it. No, I, I don't like the fact that you have to go two days without using your closer. One day, I get it. Okay, the guy's pitching one inning. Yep. Um, and he's been, I think, the best closer in the league. I think he's our all-star for sure. No doubt about it. I think he has a one-eight ERA right now. I don't think we're only going to have one all-star. You can, we're going to have two, huh? With the way this team's playing right now, but I mean, the national media is. Let's not. McLean, McLean is going to make the all-star team. I think India will, too, if he stays healthy. Look at how he might much, have a shot. Look how much the national media loves the Reds right now. Let's not act like the all-star game is anything more than a popularity contest. Well, we know, though, that can change. Of course. We know of that course. can change. Okay. All right. We know that can change, and we'll, you know, we'll see how it goes. Let's get to the who you sending out. If it's today, which it might be, and. Jacob brought up a great point. You're facing left. To me, it would make no sense. Make no sense to start Votto today or tomorrow with a left-handed starter on the mound. There's no reason to ease him back into the lineup for the first time since he got hurt. He was already hurt, but shut it down in August of last year. The guy has two surgeries to repair a shoulder and to repair a biceps tendon. There is no reason whatsoever to run him out there, and, and, and look, these left-handers are not having good years. Yeah, Freeland, he talked about it tomorrow. I mean, okay, he's been all right. But the, but the guy tonight's having a terrible year. But th- there's no reason to expose Votto, his first game back since August of last year, to a left-handed starter. Are we all in agreement on that, or you'd run I, him out there? 
I would agree. I agree. No, I would agree. I, I, I had tickets for tonight and was in no way expecting him. It just didn't seem like the phrasing and the way he was doing his videos and everything else. It didn't feel like, hey, Cincinnati, I'll see you tomorrow. Because it feels like if you're going to put that much effort into uh, the production of a video and thanking the people in Louisville, like obviously his rehab stint is in stint is ending. But it feels like if you're going to put that much effort into doing this and making this announcement, you're going to end it with, I'll see you tomorrow, you know, or can't wait to get back on the field tomorrow or something like there's a date. Him just leaving it vague to say that, hey, I'm good to play, but we'll see when I actually get in the lineup to me tells me we'll see him sometime this week at home, but probably not going to be tonight. That's what that's that's how I interpreted that yesterday, at least in his career. Against left-handed pitching. Now, this is career. His numbers are very good. Talking about Votto. Yeah. Uh, 280 career batter, as opposed to 305 against the righties. 389 OBP as opposed to 422. Slugging percentage, significant drop. 463, 462 compared to 538. But again, I always like to, when you're doing these splits, I always like to go back and look and see how we're doing the last couple of years against left-handed pitching. Yeah. Now, last year was a down year for Votto. We all know that, and he was hurt. Okay? He hit 214 against left-handers last year. But again, he's got some rope there. He was hurt. 2021 uh, against left-handers. Where are we here? Let's go back to this real quick, see if we can find... 21 when he when he had a nice year um he hit 215 against left-handers okay and he had a good year that year let's check you we'll do one more of these seasons and not bore people to death let's go 2020 right when he hit 178 against left-handers. So the last three years, his career numbers look great. 280 against left-handers. He has not hit over 215 against left-handers since, I mean, I I could keep digging here, but I don't want to waste everybody's time. Uh, The last time he had any success whatsoever against left-handed pitching, what about 2019? He hit 243. Not to mention he's coming off a major surgery. That's right. I don't know why. Throw out the left hand, whatever. Why wouldn't you put him back in the best situation for him to succeed game one, coming off a massive surgery and a long rehab stint? You're, you're virtually setting him up for failure. You just said he's been batting, what, 215 over the last basically five years? Yeah, and that's lefties? what David Brown points out. He said career numbers mean very little when right. it's a 15-year career. Go back over the last five years and take a look. That's what we basically just did, mm-hmm. right? I just think there's a better time to have Votto come up and warm, warm his game back up to professional standards than on an eight-game winning streak against a woeful Colorado Rockies team. I think there's a better time to do it. I don't know when the time is. It's going to have to be soon, obviously. You're paying him $25 million. But I think right now, with, with, the, with the way the Reds are playing, just, you, just hold off just a little bit. He can still be it. The, the fans will love him. He'll get a curtain call still if he's not in the, if he's not in the game. Fans will love it. Just, you know, wait a bit. <laughs> okay, here we go for a second, though, right? We're talking about who's going to get sent out of here. Stuart Fairchild 
to me, would seem the most likely candidate. That's my, that's my name. I agree. That's my horse. Been playing well lately for you. Yes, he has. Quite well. Yes, he has. Right? Um, we talked about Senzel. I don't think that's going to happen with Senzel. He just got back off the injured list. Um, he's not swinging the bat well, but he just came back. Uh, and we've already talked about Newman. To me, if you were to rank those three guys, he would be the least of the three that I'd be sending out. We're all in agreement there? Yep. Yes. Okay. What would you do? Fairchild or Senzel or somebody else? A pitcher. Any pitcher. I don't care which one. You don't have to name one. Well, but do you want to stay with 13 pitchers for the regions we just discussed? Well, you probably got to stay for with 13 pitchers. Otherwise, you'd send our guy Duarte down probably. Uh, guy, yeah. I think that's the name here if you're going with a pitcher. But I, if you would have asked me Monday morning last week, I would have I would have personally escorted Stuart Fairchild to the bus. But <laughs> but I don't know. He's had a really good week, so I think I have to back that take up. Uh, so maybe Fairchild. But then you, you go with Senzel, who to your point, Tom – has really, really struggled in the last couple of weeks. He's mm -hmm. what, Jacob, two for his last 20 yep. So, over his last 31 games, 130 plate appearances, Nick Senzel's batting 209. Okay, but uh, in fairness, uh, a lot of – the majority of those games were before – probably was playing hurt, right? Correct. Sent out on the rehab. Correct. And then back with a big league club. But in the last seven games, Stuart Fairchild's batting 300. Yeah. That's not a bat I'm itching to send out of here. Let me, but let me, let me throw you this. Nick Senzel is a utility player now anyway. He is hitting 455 against left-handed pitching. That's a 500 OBP, a 659 slugging. In 44 at-bats, Nick Senzel has 20 hits against lefties this year. If he, can, if he can come back and continue to mash lefties. Well, this again goes to the point, why are we bringing Votto up right now? Let's play Senzel against these two lefties yep. and then yep. deal with it. Austin Gomber stinks. Austin Gomber stinks. I don't think it matters if we walk out there tonight. It, it, he stinks. The Rockies are an abysmal franchise. All right, tell me a little bit about what you guys said they really are. And, and you know, I, I remember I, I've just had some of the most interesting conversations I've ever had in my life back when I was doing the games in Arizona. And we played, obviously, the Rockies 18, 19 times a year. And, you know, you think about some of the guys they've trotted through there as managers. What are you talking about, Jim Leland? Right. Uh, won a World Series. Yeah, he had some bad teams in Pittsburgh, bad teams in Colorado, but I think we all agree was a really good manager. I thought Don Baylor was a good manager. I mean, I think he knew what he was doing. Um, I think Bud Black is an outstanding manager, but he's got a bad team. Um, Clint Hurdle. A lot of people didn't like Clint Hurdle. Clint Hurdle had a decent amount of success when he had some players to manage. I mean, he revived that Pittsburgh franchise after all those years of being terrible and got him into the playoffs a couple of times. Um, Walt Weiss, very smart baseball guy. But I, I literally used to watch guys lose their minds managing in Colorado because it's so uniquely different. Thomas touched on some of this stuff earlier, which is rarely talked about. You're going from altitude. Now you go on the road. And you heard him say it best. All of a sudden, guys are throwing sinkers, and it looks like Kevin Brown's throwing a sinker. For those of you who don't remember Kevin Brown, he might have had the greatest sinker in the history of baseball, throwing 8,000 miles an hour right in that same era with Randy Johnson and Schilling and some of those guys. Um, he had incredible stuff, Kevin Brown. 
But, but, but Thomas Harding from MLB.com, who covers the Rockies, who's with us earlier in the program, talking about, you know, all of a sudden you go on the road and all these guys look like they're Kevin Brown. Then you come back. And, and now all of a sudden you're adjusting back to the it. Guys have had different philosophies at a manager in Colorado. It used to be where, you know, some guys decided I'm going to move my outfielders in because anything over my head probably at mile high is going to be a home run. Where, where guys used to get just nickeled and dimed to death were because of the altitude, little jam shots in on the hands or off at the end of the bat. They'd float and just drop and drop and drop and drop in this enormously spacious outfield. And you'd want to lose your mind. And so they're, you know, they try, they, they try to go get ground ball pitchers. And you're never going to get a free agent pitcher to come there and pitch. You're not going to go there. Why would they? I mean, look at some of the guys through the years. Mike Hampton, Daryl Kyle, Denny Nagel. These guys were really good pitchers for other teams. They didn't play at mile high altitude. And they went there and couldn't get anybody out. So, look, this Colorado team, I mean, the Reds should, Red should take it to this team. Um, but let me ask you this. What kind of crowd are you guys expecting down there tonight? Tomorrow night, Wednesday night. Now, I know the rain could be a factor tonight. Rain's a factor tonight. I do think, I do, if, if, it was a good, if it was good weather tonight, I would have expected 25,000. 25 to 30,000 tonight. 25 to 30 on a Monday on night? A mon on, an, on an eight game win streak against a bad team with the potential of Joey Votto's return, I think there was going to be a crowd that would have showed up. Now I do not think there is going to be a crowd that shows up. But I think there would have been. I still think, I still think it'll be a good crowd. I would bet 20,000 tonight. I would say announced attendance of 20,000, which is fair on a rainy night. Wednesday night, maybe, or Wednesday on, uh, at 1235, maybe. That might not draw a big crowd. Well, but last time we did this, guess you guys were all in the, in the low teens, and I said 20, and they walked 22,000 out there. So I'm going to keep my – Okay. I'm going to keep the vibes high. The rain will play a big factor for sure. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think we'll get into the, into the low to mid-20s pretty easily. This whole home series, and this weekend against the Braves, I'm expecting – Well, that's a different animal. Numbers. That's a different animal. Correct. Coming up on a weekend, Braves coming to town – that's a whole different ball game. I mean, I would look in the upper 30s right, I for those games with Atlanta in town. The weather's supposed to be great. I think I saw that yep. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday after some rain during the week. Uh, crowd's going to be really, really good. Um, I understand now. I don't know if this is true. David Brown uh, in the chat says, Votto is having a press conference at GABP today at 3 o'clock. So you'd assume that means? That has to mean he's activation. getting activated, right? right. Yep. Um. 60,000 for the Rocky series. I think that that's about right. If they, you're going to do 20, 20, and 15 or something like that. Yeah. If they win. If you they, guys are on the high side. If they win tonight, so they'll have won nine in a row. Tomorrow, tomorrow would be for be 10 in a row. And you don't think people beers. would. And, and it's, yeah, and it's $3 beers. You don't think people would show up for that? If we have nine in a row going into $3 beer Tuesday night. That place is going to be packed out. I would, I would bet 25,000 tomorrow night if. We win, we win tonight for 10 in a row. And the Reds have not done that since Mr. Brenneman, the Hall of Famer, shaved his head. And he I remember, did. I don't know if you And you know what? He, that was clinched against Colorado. Right. Was it? It was. I remember that game. I remember that game vividly. Matt Latos hit a home run in that one. I was one of the, that was one of the most fun games I've watched in a very long time, I'd say.
I think we're going to see a lot of shaved heads in the city of Cincinnati if we win 10 games. Maybe. We'll see. There are a bunch of cowards out there. Nobody's <laughs> shaving their head. People are feeling good right now. They are feeling good, but they're not going to shave their head. Twitter's, Takes a real man to do that. Twitter's <laughs> clamoring for Casey to shave his head. The Nutcutter Nation wants Casey. Row, you shaving your head? Um, the they're wife, two away. The wife overrules the chat. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> but I will say this. Chad Waits really, really is the leader of that. He's really pushing for me to get my head shaved. Really oh. bad. Yeah, if I didn't, if I wasn't going to uh, New Jersey in a couple of weeks for a family wedding and had a lot going on, I would do it. You also have a, a wedding yourself. You don't want well, to but lose. that's in a year. That's fine. It would grow back. In a year? I don't know, Paul. It seems like a lot of excuses bald? you just lumped together there. Oh, it'd grow back in a couple yeah, of months. Yeah, it'd grow back in a couple of months. I mean, you, you look like you got a buzz, but I mean, you know. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm. Yeah, no, 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 no. As. As the man in this room with the least attachments to a woman that can veto, and Elliot's fallen on the sword quite a bit, not 10 in a row, but if we sweep the Rockies, I'll get a nice tight buzz cut the next day in the studio. Buzz cut? You already have a buzz cut. I'll go number What nice, about number no more one. beer? Oh, oh, no, no. I'll sell beer for 15, <laughs> 20 wins. It takes a lot longer to okay, get the well, beer wait. back. I will shave my head if the Reds sweep the Rockies and sweep the Braves. That's a guarantee. I'll cut my leg <laughs> sweep off. The Rockies, sweep, sweep the Rockies. Sweep the Rockies. Sweep the Braves. I'll, I'll shave my head. While you're eating a cricket? While, while I'm eating a cricket. That's right. And Casey and Paul are also eating a cricket if this gets to 100 likes. Oh, we are? Yeah. Right. They told me. They texted me that individually there. So 100 mm. likes. Keep liking the stream. What, Tom, real quick, not to change the subject. David Bell has been under fire for, I would say, several years. <laughs> several years. He has been the sacrificial lamb of this city. The Castellinis, respectfully, have just thrown him out to the wolves. How much of let me let me interrupt. <laughs> let me interrupt. Hold on a second. Okay, you can like ownership or dislike ownership. The Reds spent money two, three years ago when David Bell took over this team. They traded for Trevor Bauer. They went out and got Moose Takas. They went out and got. I mean, come on. They made the postseason. And they were a 500 team. I'm they, not dispelling the fact of what you're saying. What has happened since then? Yeah, I. But I, my argument would be they made the postseason. It was it, they underperformed against the Braves in a fake playoffs that should have counted. Uh, they didn't the, score. The, the year. The year after that, injuries ravaged the team. It was a horrible bullpen. Nobody spent and got bullpens. They half-assed the trade to the Yankees where they got Luis Sessa and Justin Wilson. I would say David Bell has taken uh, the grunt of the hatred here in Cincinnati. I think he deserves a lot of credit for what's happening right now. I don't know what's happening with the Reds, but they're two games over 500. they They've won eight in a row. They're now second favorite to win the Central in a year where they were not even close to being favorites in the Central. I think David Bell gets some credit for what's happening I agree in with you 100%. I think he's done a marvelous job really with his bullpen. And that is a hard thing to do, especially navigating through uh, the lack of quality innings or innings, period, from his starting pitchers outside of Abbott and Green. And, yeah. and an occasional spot here or there. But, yeah, I mean, really at the end of the day, with no more having to bat for the pitcher and all these kinds of things, a, a manager's job – more times than not will be evaluated. you got to have players. Let's start with that, okay? But it's going to be evaluated with, A, what's the culture in the clubhouse? And I think it's very good right now. I think that is a byproduct to some extent. Yes, the job that, that Bell has done, but it's also a byproduct of extreme youth, right? Either guys that are in the big leagues for the first time, the McLeans, the De La Cruzes, who also happen to be uber-talented, and 
guys that are getting a chance to play and, and really extend their careers and make a name, the TJ Friedels of the world, right? The Jake Fried, I know they've been somewhere else, but you know what I'm getting at here, yep. right? They're, they're getting a chance, steer. They're getting a chance to establish themselves. And with youth come and opportunity in youth comes the climate in the clubhouse where everybody's kind of this America's team thing. I don't know who came up with that, but they've got, it's a thing, Yeah, right? It's a yeah. thing and they feel good about it. And that's all that matters if they feel good. Um, and then how you manage the bullpen and bell has done an excellent, is every move great? No, but I guarantee you if we're sitting in Houston, they're picking apart dusty because they used to do it in this town, right? Yep. If you're sitting in New York, they're doing it to Aaron Boone and Buck Showalter, right? Yep. Every town that goes on, he's done a nice job. Now, I have a question about David Bell. It's the last year of his contract, and you see people in the chat every day, you know, joking around with the extend David Bell. What does this team have to do for David Bell to legitimately get an extension? If we win the Central and win 80 games, 85 games? Well, I think if they win the division and get in the playoffs, he will David get an extension. I would not be handing out extensions between the end of the season. Not a freaking chance to nobody. I wouldn't have given Green a long-term deal. I wouldn't give anybody a long-term deal until you do something. That Hunter Green deal has a chance to be one of the most team-friendly contracts. It could be, but you could have gotten it at the end of the year when his record's going to be 8-11. and 11. Not if he keeps pitching like this. Well, okay, I'll grant you that. But I'm just saying, I, why would you extend? Why right today as we sit here, you're on an eight-game winning streak to get two games over 500. you are coming off a year where you lost 100-and-something games, okay? You've got a nice little something going here, but we know that can change. You don't want it to change. You don't hope it'll change, but it can change. Why would you give David Bell a contract extension? I'm not saying extend him right now. I'm oh, just okay. saying, All what right. does okay. it look if like they, to where extend Bell is no longer a joke? Jacob said, Jacob said if they win the division. Right. And I said I agree with that. Okay. And then, so you would extend him if we win the division? Well, he's going to be, his contract expires at the end of the Correct. year. Correct. So you'd just be giving him a new contract. Right. Correct. Of course I would. Okay. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Would you be giving him an extension right now? Well, I would. And this goes back. You well, would. No, 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 no. Not sorry, right now. sorry. I, not right now. Okay. Not right now. But this goes back to the point that I have made for so long about this team and, and guys that win together and come up together. Yep. That it, it, to me, it, it is important to have the manager that you're going to have for the long haul. You know, the, the manager that you want to see be the manager when you are contending for the World Series you don't want to just flip that at the end of the season if they go and win the division and then say, well, his contract's done and let's go find somebody that can actually do the job now. Hold on, pump the brakes. You just yep. won the division and you have you won the division with a core of guys that you're going to hope carries you to the postseason and a, potentially a World Series a few years down the line. This is not like a team of rent players that's going to go out there and win the division on a bunch of one- and two-year contracts and – your minor league guys are a year behind and David Bell's, well, hey, let's just go our separate ways. You're building the core of a foundation of the team right now. So by doing that, you want to have the manager that is going to carry you through this now rebuild and playoff potential. And if that happens to be David Bell because of what he does this year, then so be it. Sign him. I like to say that we're always the Baltimore Orioles a year or two behind. We're following the same kind of thing. We have the deep farm. We're calling guys up. They were about a year ahead of schedule in 2019 where they didn't expect to be, and we're about a year ahead of schedule now. 
Brandon Hyde took over for the Orioles in 2019, and everyone that's ever talked about the Orioles thought he was just a bridge to spend a year with these guys, right? build some camaraderie in the locker room, and then they would move on and get a different manager when they're actually competitive. Well, they ended up winning, and they extended Brandon Hyde, and Brandon Hyde looks like a damn good manager right now. Why can't David Bell? We haven't seen David Bell with a competitive roster. If this roster gets competitive and he proves to be a manager that can really start winning games down the stretch and making decisions that that matter and get this team well, to the playoffs, I, I, I think I, we should extend it. I don't agree with you about having competitive. When I look at the last time the Reds made the postseason, COVID albeit, they had a starting rotation of Trevor Bauer, Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray. The front the three guys in the – they were a 500 I, team. I agree. I agree. They were 500. That's true. Okay? I mean, so, look, I'm not bad-mouthing a guy. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying to say that he has gone through what happened in Baltimore is not a fair That's comparison. Fair. I don't think as far you're, – you're right as far as being a year ahead. I think you're spot on there. And, and what the Reds are a year ahead right now, no doubt. But, you know, uh, he wasn't taking the Orioles to the playoffs. That's true. You know, I mean, that starting rotation they had, man – those three guys in the front of the rotation, that should be win at least one playoff series. I don't care who you play. Gray, Bauer, Castillo. Those are three of the top pitchers in the league that year. Shortened albeit. All right. But listen, we're going to shift gears away from the race. Our numbers today are through the roof. This through the roof. It's like a Bengals postgame show. Hey, look. Look, we have talked for so long. Tom, you have been the leader of this about whether Cincinnati is a baseball town or not. Yep. This week has a serious – now I know it, it stinks that the weather's going to kind of probably play a factor in For this For the first tonight. time all spring. Yeah, it stinks that tonight's probably going to – because even if they play, it's probably going to be a wet, kind of damp, cold, rainy night. But mm. tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday – I think they're off Thursday. They are. But, but when, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday look decent. Got a chance to have a really, really nice turnout Well, this someone week. said in the chat that there's another concert Friday night. Yes. Quinn 92. Is, yeah. that, is that a well-known band? He's a, he's, a, he's a solo artist, but yes. In he's, his circle, he's very well-known. Well, and what is his? Pop. Pop alternative. Yeah. It's more alternative music. Well, I normally like alternative, so I might like this dude. All right, what's his name? Quinn 92. X-C-I-I. It's the Roman numerals for 92. It but his name is Quinn. It gets a little confusing. Quinn. Okay, I'll check him out. I'll, I'll get brought up to speed on the big fella. Be a big fella, little fella, <laughs> medium-sized fella. Medium-sized. Right? Medium-sized fella. Okay, medium-sized right. fella. Okay. Uh, put up a picture of him, Casey. <laughs> Let me see the dude, please. Because I, I got to get to you in a second because I want to spend the last 10 minutes here because apparently you have a big argument to pitch today in box lunch. Wednesday. We're, we're going to do it Wednesday. Now. Audible to Wednesday. Could you Audible imagine if Wednesday. Zach Brown was coming this Friday on a 12-game win streak? That would have been incredible. 49,000 would have showed up. <laughs> 49. 49. Okay. Uh, there will be more people outside of, of Paul Brown Stadium, Paycor Stadium, listening to Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Than there will be at the ballpark tonight. That's true. I would say that's true. There might be more people outside that stadium listening to Taylor Swift than any other one place in Cincinnati. There's no doubt. I mean, I've got a, I've got a uh, sister-in-law coming in from um, – San Diego with two daughters, and um, they're going to go down and sit outside the stadium. That's awesome. Paul's been talking about it for a month. He can't wait. Paul uh, will be there in person. I will be there. Yeah, he June, will be there. June 30th. 
there's a there's a Reds game the same night, and then the next night, the July first night, there is a uh, Taylor Swift Reds and FC Cincinnati. Everybody's playing that night, so it'll be it'll be a packed couple days. Here's Quinn ninety two. That's him. That's yes. him. What were you expecting? What's Tom? he holding up there? I mean, what what is that trophy? It's a, That's a participation it's the trophy. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I thought you said the guy was a musician. It's just the album cover, or it's his spot. It's just the album. That's the it, album cover. It's, it's the album cover. Do we get? We get? We can't run any of his music. We get in trouble, right? Correct. Probably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. I'll have to listen to it when I get back home. Um, okay. That's. I mean, that's weird for a uh, cover of an album. It looks like he's an athlete. Yeah, I think I. I, I forget <laughs> what the... I forget what the album was called, but it had something to do with him uh, winning, whatever that was. It's a shtick. That's a good shtick. It is a good shtick. He looks, he looks good. Looks fit, lean, and he'll be at the ballpark, and he'll be in Cincinnati, Ohio, starting on... Um, He's just doing a post-game Friday. The album is titled The People's Champ. Is it his first album? It is not. No, he's, he's in a couple. The, he's been at this game for a while. Yep. So he's a well-known dude. I would say so. How many... Well, you know, this is one of those where Over you have to say, I would listeners. say so. What's that? Over 4 million monthly listeners on Spotify. That's four pretty half, good. Four and a half million monthly listeners. Pretty good. He's got a couple of really, really big, songs. really big popular hits. Yeah. But I was listening to him last night because I was trying to decide if I wanted to buy a ticket Friday. I was listening to him last night. I was like, ah. He's a strong cult following. Let's just say that. Yeah. Drew Garrison says Taylor Swift could play a concert in my backyard and I want to go. Drew, I got to tell you, I've been to one. It's unbelievable. They're on, they're, they, she really is. You don't even have to be a fan. No. I mean, she's an unbelievable entertainer. She really is. The Ohio River is going to be crazy with people in boats. Okay. Oh, I'm glad we're bringing this up. I got a question for, for you and for the chat. I was talking about this the other day. Wait a minute. I just want to make sure it says Drew. Drew said Tom misquoted me. I want to see what I missed here. You said here, Drew, Taylor Swift could play a concert in my backyard and I wouldn't go. You guys see that same yeah. thing in the yeah, chat? I'm seeing it. All right, Drew, help me here. Well... You said I misquoted you. That's what you wrote. Go ahead. Uh, here's, here's my question. The, Taylor Swift has to spend a night in Cincinnati because she's playing June 30th, and then she's playing her second show July 1st. Yeah. Where do we think she stays in that off night? Does she get a, does she get a house in Indian Hill? Because uh, like a lot of the, the tennis people, they like you know Federer, all them, they all rent a house, but they're here for like a week and a half. Covington. Covington, Indian Hill, wherever. Oh, you, you're talking about Taylor Swift? I think she'll stay in one of those. Well, so what I'm asking is, do you think she gets like an Airbnb? Do you think she gets the whole top floor? It's a good of, question. Like the Westin? Or it's like, you know, one of those? It'll be a big I, I, You know, I think, I think it's kind of, yeah. I was sitting there, I was like, I wonder, wonder what her team puts her up in. It's for, a good question. For it's a really a, good question. What they do. I mean, generally, the hotels are going to be able to provide a lot more security. Yes. If, if it gets out, then yeah. you've got thousands of people. It, but it's the same thing for an Airbnb. I mean, if they find out what the location is, now all of a sudden, you don't have the built-in security yeah. of a hotel. You can go out and spend money on security, and there are companies that do that. Um, I don't know. What do, you, what, what do you think, Casey? Hotel or house? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm going with house. Okay, Paul? I'm also, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say hotel. Cause I'm, I just, I think she gets the whole floor of a hotel. I think, okay. I think that's what she's going to do. All right. 
It'll be a house. It'll be a house. Hotels will be filled with her fans. Yeah. That would just be a lot of. Uh, there would be no point. Okay. Well, might as well sleep in the bus. But if she, but if she, if they can get her in and and I don't know through uh, the back door. The press would be all over. I it wouldn't matter. I know, but you know what happens here. Well, Jake, you answer first. What do you think? Hotel. I think if Taylor Swift is staying at a house, that address gets out in under thirty minutes, and it's flooded. In you the don't front think yard. that you don't think that house would have a gate? I don't. You doubt have that, a gate, but, you, but there's only one way in and one way out. You know, and the the, the I, thing about it, I've stayed in a lot of hotels where presidents have been there, right? Right, things like that. Where you're talking about a whole different animal now. I mean, you got Secret Service, you got all kinds of stuff going on, right? I mean, they, all these hotels have the freight elevators, they have the back elevators. They they can set this thing up um, where even if word got out where she's staying, they will figure something out to make it happen. If you do it in a house and there's only one driveway in and out and you've got to walk out the front door to get in a car because there's only a driveway right there, well, you turn, even if it's some mansion on Indian Hill, right? Yep. You still got to come out one driveway that goes to Given Road, whatever it is. So, yeah, I, I think I'm with you guys who say hotel. I'm predicting hotel. Jolly Jolly points out, and I had thought of this, but I didn't really know how feasible this was. You think she just flies to Nashville or New York and flies back? It seems uh, like a, no. Seems, it seems like a lot. I think no. Nashville's decently feasible. It's, it's pretty close. She's, I mean, she's not going through PSA and everything. She'll, yeah, I mean, she's just hopping on a plane. She'll hop on a PJ after the concert. And, CVG I, or no, Lunkin. I, I, I CVG think, or Lunkin. Or there's I think, no question about that one. I think Paul might be on something. She's at Lunkin. Lunkin. Oh, 100% And that's not yeah. even debatable. She is in and out of there. No easy. Question. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's a no-brainer. The, the well, they have the, the private the only, terminal. The only, the, only big, the only big, big, big ones of private planes that go into CBG is when you get to, like, Air Force One. Because they don't have enough runway space at, at Lunkin to handle that. Well, but they have that private hangar at CBG. No, no, no. I know they yeah. do. But I'm saying they have multiple private hangars at, at Lunkin. Oh, and yeah. you just get right in and you're, you know, you're seven minutes from the stadium yeah. once you land there. That's a big league operation over there. Yeah. Why not Butler County? Stay right up here in Hamilton, Ohio. No better right. place to be. Helicopter in. <laughs> What's so funny, Elliot? <laughs> Nothing was funny. Reed will be here in a minute. No, nothing was funny. That's a realistic option. <laughs> Sir Boy Wonder says BLP should know a lot about Lunkin. Liberal elite. <laughs> Just like Taylor Swift. I mean, you know, she's in there telling us all about, you know, climate change. And she's logged millions of miles on her private plane trying to tell us all about that. Uh, Sir Boy Wonder, Tom's a Southwest guy. I am. I used to argue with my broadcast mates all the time. They badmouth Southwest. There was a time not too long ago, not anymore, but there was a time not too long ago where they were the best airline out there. If you wanted to go and be on time, right? They had the best service, and then COVID hit, and I don't know what's happened since then, and they're not the same. They're not the same. You know? They started telling guys, you got to leave if you don't get the shot, and now all of a sudden these, these, these pilots are all gone, and, and they don't have enough pilots to fill the planes. Um, Red Roof Inn in Middletown. <laughs> Beautiful spot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What no, would you say the bet Fred odds would be for Taylor Swift staying at the Red Roof Inn in Middletown? Plus 300 trillion. <laughs> Plus 300 trillion. You put a dollar and you're set for life. Oh, okay. 
All right. Um, do we have a um, cherry on top? We do. All right. Let's have at it. It's time to get out of here. Near and dear to your heart, Tom. Can't wait. <laughs> Thirty years ago, and Henry Rowe Win and Gargardner threw a ball from these bleachers 435 feet all the way to home plate. So today, we're going to see how well uh, I can do and some of the other Cubs players throwing it back. Why am I nervous throwing this ball right here when more in the game? <laughs> Should I do like a? <laughs> Try not to hit the groundskeepers out there. Uh, not quite to home plate. Maybe half? Maybe a third? <laughs> Who is this dude? You've never seen Rookie of the Year, have you? No. I realized that about 10 seconds into the 30 clip. years ago. <laughs> I saw that look on your face. I wish we had an alternate That's angle. That's the guy that was in the movie, I'm assuming. That was Henry Rowan Gardner. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, it'd have been nice if those guys were trying to throw it. Well, yeah. That's what you get in Chicago. Just a lot of guys that don't care. Nobody would, <laughs> that, you know, that stadium was empty. They weren't bringing, they weren't bringing the hype for, what was the, what's the character's name? Henry Rowan Gardner. Yeah, whoever that is. Okay. I'm sure that would have been a big Did, uh, was John Candy in that movie? Yes. Rest in peace. Awesome, dude. Legend. Love that guy. Dennis Quaid was in that movie? No, that was The Rookie. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Somebody rookie of the year. Okay. All right. Um, okay. Tomorrow, uh, we're hoping. We, we, I mean, we think we got it nailed down, but, you know, you never know. We're hoping to have Keith Hernandez on, legendary first baseman uh, in his major league career, now a broadcaster for the New York Mets. We'll talk about not only his career, but what's going on with the Mets. We were reading some of the stories today about, you know, they're kicking the ball all over the place. Did you see the, see the guy stole home from the Yankees over the weekend after they commit a couple of errors? Um, the last five games where they've scored seven or more runs, they've lost them all. They're spending $300 plus million on that team payroll. And then tonight and tomorrow night, they've got Scherzer and Verlander going in Houston. We have already talked about this Houston team. They're not any good. The Mets want to get on track. They better get going starting tonight. Um, okay. Thanks to uh, all in the chat. We were up over 300 today at one point in time. Yep. 310. It's pretty good. It's pretty good numbers. Pretty everyone. good number. 123 likes. We thank all of you for being with us. Casey, uh, tomorrow we're going to spend a little time, or Wednesday, I guess it is, since you're making your pitch on Wednesday. Yes. About Geno Smith being a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Woof. <laughs> yes. I also went, went ahead and, and fixed the, uh, the stink list of where it is. Yeah, it needed fixing. 
<laughs> I saw it. I only I only messed with the rookies. We can do two hours. Everything on that else show. is the right. All right, we're gonna spend time on Wednesday. We're, we're gonna be like your um, what do they call it? Like prepping a witness, right? So you're gonna make your pitch on box lunch Wednesday, right? Right. So you're gonna kind of practice on us a little bit. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. All right. That's fair. Okay. And uh, prayers to uh, Mrs. McAllister. Yes, thank you, guys. You're welcome. Thank you for and that. the chat as well, saying the same thing. All right, Paulie, well done. Casey, well done. Thank you, Tom. Elliot, Jake, great being with you guys. Thank all of you for being with us. We'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Good Lord willing, on Off the Bench, presented by United Berry Farmers. Have a great rest of your Monday.